This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by celery, the show that is more deflated than a Yokohama tyre. Now, if the 3-0 Bournemouth defeat at home wasn't bad enough, Chelsea did what only Chelsea can do and serve up worse away to Watford away on Monday night. Watford's 4-1 defeat of Chelsea means that that's back to means that's back-to-back defeats by three goals for the first time since 1995 for the Blues. Cue bewilderment and anger from supporters at home watching around the world, but not from the supporters I could hear in the away end. Fair play to the loud and vociferous support from the Chelsea away faithful, who, as always, did us proud. Now, if only the players could summon up half as much effort and fight, the only one who stood up to be counted was Eden Hazard, and one can only wonder how much more of this he'll put up with. Uh, And how long for Antonio Conte, for whom, according to the self-righteous pricks in the media, the bell tolls? Now, in the absence of any overt leadership from the club, it's up to us to wonder what on earth is going on and where we go from here, which is precisely what we'll be doing on the Chelsea Fancast tonight. The Chelsea Fancast number 413. Should he stay or should he go? You know your Uncle Chidge. Any excuse for a Clash song title. And there you have it. Uh, now, uh, on this show, as I said uh, before we uh, we went on air, uh, we are waiting for Mr Jonathan Kidd to arrive. Uh, I don't know where he is, but he did text me to say he was going to be running late. But hopefully we'll get him on air as soon as we can. Uh, but uh, my two guests, other than Jonathan, of course are being very noisy in the background. That can only mean one thing, that we have Mark Worrell on the show, who's probably writing another novel whilst doing the show at the same time. Hello, Marco. Having my tea. <laughs> Good evening. <laughs> He's having his tea. <laughs> How are you, mate, apart from hungry? Lasagna. Oh, lovely. Don't, don't. All I've had is a bit of toast and a cup of tea. But there you go. Are you well, mate? I mean, I know it's a bit depressing, yeah, but we soldier on, don't we? Yeah. 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 Too right. Uh, now, uh, 
other than uh, that, so that's two cheery souls. Uh, that means out of the the next two, I mean, obviously Jonathan will be his usual miserable self. Uh, but uh, will Clayton be cheery or miserable? Clayton, it's always a pleasure having you on the show, mate. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm sort of somewhere in between. I'm not really okay. miserable. You know, life's good, good. and uh, it's only just the football team, isn't it? They're not really important, are they? <clears throat> In fact, I did, I did. I did see. That's a good point. I did see some really funny tweets actually after the Bournemouth game, and one or two people made the very salient point that I think it was Bobby Bob Bob, who, who those of us who know him absolutely love him to bits. But uh, he he was one of many who said football is a very very silly game, and it's hard to argue with that, isn't it? Uh, now on the show tonight, uh, we will be talking about how silly football is. Uh, and this might prove it, really. Um, we're going to ask, was Bakayoko's performance one of the worst we've seen from a Chelsea player? And should he have been protected more by Conte and not hung out to dry? In part two, uh, we relive the horror of an abject performance and some terrible defending. Uh, we're going to ask whether Hazard will bail out and look at the uh, blame game between Conte and the board and ask, should Conte stay or should he go, as the title of the show implied. Um, and just for a bit of fun, I suppose, kind of gallows humour, really, or maybe there's some some sense in it, who knows. But we're going to play shoot, shag or marry with the current squad of players. Not literally, of course. Um, I don't really think... Now Frank Lampard's gone, I wouldn't want to shag or marry any of them. Uh, might quite possibly might want to shoot a few, but that's another issue. But anyway, we're going to be doing that as a bit of fun. Uh, in part three, uh, we're going to be looking back at the horror show against Bournemouth last week. And if Conte goes, uh, who would the club replace him with? And actually, would it make any difference? I have my doubts. In part four, presuming he turns up, uh, we've got lots... Actually, we've got some fantastic emails tonight. I mean, it, there's nothing like a bit of Chelsea... Uh, you know, shitness to, to to get a few good emails sent in. My God, they've excelled themselves this week. Both Bournemouth and and uh, Watford are are in those emails. So look out for those. Uh, and of course, as always, uh, we have lovely, lovely people in Mixler. Actually, lower than normal because, of course, you haven't figured out that we were doing it tonight because it was the game on the Monday. It's not hard to figure out, people. Come on. Uh, but anyway, that aside, it's nice to see the hardcore, uh, the uh, the full Chelsea fancast mixer firm, as I'm now going to call them. Praj is there, Nicky Kilduff, Aussie sign my broken leg, Blue in Oz. I know Chip Chiverton's in there. And the wonderful Andy Silverman, who texted me before we went on air tonight. Andy, uh, thanks for that text. Glad to hear you're okay. And uh, fingers crossed for what's happening with your uh, leg and nerves and stuff. And of course, last but by no means least, the wonderful uh, Bonnie Rig Blues and uh, Brian Paul. Loads of people in there as always. Um, it's very easy to do. Don't forget, as I said, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock by going to Mixler, uh, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast. Well, all you could, all you have to do is to join in the chat like these people do. There's a little chat page. It's a bit like the old Chelsea chat room, but it's not. But anyway, you can chat on there, talk to each other, talk to us. We may even you know call some of it uh and then uh and then we'll uh and then we'll read them out but anyway also tweet us at chelsea fancast during the show or anytime you like and we'll mention that we'll be back in a second
so there we go. I mean, look, there's so much to discuss tonight. It's just not true. Uh, if if we can keep this show under four hours, I'll be happy. Uh, but maybe we'll just be so miserable that it'll be half an hour. Either could happen. It is the Chelsea fancast. A bit like Chelsea. Glorious unpredictability. Um, I'm going to get into the, the match and what happened and little themes uh, therein in part two. But I, I really want to focus... Uh, and I, and I, should, I should reiterate here, this is in, in no way... Uh, an attempt to uh, single out somebody or scapegoat them for what happened at both, you know, against Bournemouth and Watford. But I just can't start anywhere else other than Bakayoko, I'm afraid. Timmy Bakayoko always gives the ball away. Um, there was a lot of... Ch- I mean, I, I, you know, I wasn't there last night, so I was watching on the TV like a lot of people do. Marco was as well. We were having a bit of Twitterage. Uh, there's quite a lot of ch- a Twitter chat, easy for me to say, about is it the worst performance from a Chelsea player? And I mean, what a night to ask this question when when we've got you know Jonathan who's been watching since the late fifties, sixties, Marco, Clayton uh, since the seventies, me since the eighties. You know, so we've seen a lot of duff Chelsea players basically. But I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a Chelsea player make so many mistakes. I mean, I think it was at least five critical mistakes in the first eighteen minutes, uh, and then he managed to get two yellow cards in five minutes and get sent off. I mean, in, in a sense, I, I kind of wondered at the time whether Mike Dean was acting out of kindness. But uh, I, I'll start with you, Marco, because you're probably still eating and I and that's how I roll. Um, but, um, you know, is that one of the worst performances in a blue shirt you've seen or are we being a bit over the top? Um, do you know what? I, it, it was, but I don't think... I don't think it... The way I always gauge a, a performance is, is somebody trying. Um, obviously, ability comes into that. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I've, seen, I've seen worse performances from a, from, um, a point of view of not trying than, than um, Bakayoko's last night. I, ju- I just think that I don't know what it is with Conte and Bakayoko. It's you know, it's like he's his love child or something, and he's um, you know the, he's got a pack with the devil that he has to play him every week um, because I, I just don't get what you know. The guy was like a was like a rabbit trapped in the headlights. You know, he was going to make rickets all the time. In a way, you know, I mean, it kind of it's kind of like when um, Salah and Scherler you know, kept getting their chances um, under Mourinho and, and you know, they, they, they panic and, you know, they, they give the ball away or overrun the ball uh, or it just wouldn't come together. And I, and I just think, you know, the kid, um, I just think his nerves are shot to pieces. He shouldn't have been on the pitch, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I so, Marco, I, 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 do you know what? That's a really good point. You know, he he looks absolutely shot and bereft of confidence. I, I want to pick up on that in a minute, actually, because I, I I've not heard anybody mention Dale Mitchell yet. So, or Dave, sorry, Dave Mitchell. David I'm thinking Mitchell. of um, Dale. I'm thinking of Dale Jasper, another Freudian slip, but equally applicable. Although we Dale's like we like Dale Jasper, don't we, Marco? <laughs> <laughs> Clayton, um, is he is he the worst you've seen in a, in a blue shirt, or, or or are we just being over the top? I think. Um... Marco makes a great point. I mean, he tried and he didn't hide. Um, he was just, he just shouldn't have been on there. 
Um, no, he's not the worst because if anybody um, ever saw the late and not very great John McNaught, he was the worst person I've ever seen in a Chelsea shirt. Um, he he was appalling. Um, last night was was awful, and anybody who doesn't actually feel sorry for him has got no heart. You could tell no, that, right. as 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 Marco said, the guy was like a rabbit in the headlights. I think. It's very interesting, this, because I don't know who bought Bakayoko. Now, mm. it could be that um, our manager didn't buy him, didn't want him, and is saying to the board, this is what you've given me, mate. This this is what you've given me, and he's not good enough. That could be the one explanation for why he keeps getting picked. Could it not be the opposite? Could it not be the opposite? That it's his purchase and he keeps thinking he'll come good. And he's saying, look, he will come good to the board. He will be good. Possibly. But, but you know, our manager played football to the highest level. <laughs> and, and if anybody would know about the mind of a player and how a player's doing at any particular time, it's going to be him. And I'm sorry, but I can't actually believe for one minute that he can't see what's, what, what's in front of him. The guy, on the other hand, I mean, on the other hand, on the other hand, Clayton, why on earth would a manager who you know who <laughs> likes to win, as he as he professed in the press yeah, conference yeah. last night, whose job is on the line, whether he may give a shit about that or not, is a moot point. But let's assume, for the sake of argument, that he wants this team to win. Why on earth would he sabotage it by playing a player who's clearly uh, bereft of confidence and whose legs and arms don't seem to be working? I don't know. Why would he do I it mean, deliberately? That's what I'm saying. I've Why would he absolute... sabotage himself? I don't. I, he he may say that he hasn't got any other options. I mean, drink water. I mean, he hasn't been brilliant, but drink water doesn't fuck up as many times as Backer does. And Backer, mm. at the moment, he was pretty hopeless against Bournemouth, and last night was dreadful. I, it would have been interesting had he not been sent off to see whether Conte would have taken him off at half time. Because it I'm was, ama- I'm it, amazed. It, 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 Sorry, it was mate, an extraordinarily on. bad performance. I mean, I gave the ball away eight times. I mean, two unbelievable passes to their forwards. If he could do that mm. at the other end, he'd, he'd be a great player. I mean, it, it, it's a, it's a, it is amazing, isn't it? It really is. I mean, I, I Jonathan, I kind of want, you know, we we are so gonna, you know, go into the whole Conte thing over the course of the evening. But if I have a, a criticism to level at Conte, and I, and I don't have many, it has to be said, but if I have one, it it really does uh, concern Bakayoko because, you know, given that he's he's clearly bereft of confidence and, and, and he looks shot, I mean, there's no other way to put it, I, I think it's poor management by, by putting him out there perpetually and, and not protecting him and taking him out of the spotlight. And I, and I mean, you know, kind of picking up on what Clayton said, there's a sense that is he hanging him out to dry? Because I cannot understand why he's not protecting him. I don't think that's good management. I really don't. No, I, I agree completely, Chich. I think it's dreadful management. And But I wonder whether, as you said, he's uh, he's making, as Clayton said, he's making a point. Um, whether it's some uh, it's a ploy to say... Look what uh, you've saddled me with. I mean, he is completely out of his depth. And considering that he was a fantastic player for Monaco last year, got to the semi-finals of the uh, of the Champions League with them, and was 
was supposed to be one of their best players and our purchase was supposed to be, wow, we bought a really completely brilliant midfielder and he started off reasonably well, even when injured against Spurs, didn't he? But he now looks, I have a very similar story. I'm not suggesting that playing for uh, Castle No Rovers in the Chiswickham District League <laughs> Division 7 is, uh, <laughs> is, com- is comparable. But oh. um, but I was, um, I was headhunted by, I think, a team called... Uh, they weren't called this team, but I'm, I'm making this team at Brentford Generals. And uh, they said, because I played well against them, and they said, come and play for us. And I played for them, played for them a couple of five-a-sides, and I felt I couldn't get it together. And then I, I, and I, I came on as a sub, and all I did was give the ball away and, get to, and lose possession. And the next game, uh, I wasn't picked. And so I went back to my other club and, of course, played out of my skin against them. And they said, why don't you play like that for us? And I said, I'm afraid I was a bit nervous. And it looks to me as if, as what we've said earlier, that he's he's actually shot. He can't deal with it. And and I, I whether it's man the man management, I would, don't want to compare Mourinho and uh, um, uh, Mourinho and Conte, but uh, um, I'm, I'm absolutely in despair of the fact that both Salah and De Bruyne are now two of the best players in the Premier League, possibly the two best players. And and uh, and we let them go. And in the same way, my fear is, is that he won't play again or will be marginalised. Or we hope if there is a next manager, whenever it is, he will play better under him. Or he And he then gets sent out and is eventually on loan and is sold and then turns out to be another Salah and De Bruyne because I'm a bit worried that we appear to have a bit of a pattern emerging here. With dealing with players who have been absolutely excellent, you know. Sorry, Mark, Mark no. say, yeah. No, no, I was just saying you probably add Batshuayi to that list, given his. Yeah, 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 completely. Because, well, no, what, during the week, suddenly he's, he's unleashed, isn't he? And he scores two goals. I mean, for goodness sake. Um, but, yeah, no, can I just say that, that um, Jokanovic was, uh, I thought, felt comparable. But I thought it wasn't that Jokanovic just started off competently and got worse, he was always dreadful. And uh, he's one of the worst Chelsea players I've ever seen. Yeah. And Robert Fleck, uh, allegedly having taken too much uh, laughing powder, um, just became man who ran after the ball when it was put, pumped into the corner. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and of course, Darren Wood is another player who never actually oh, thrills me with great, uh, with great enthusiasm. I mean, uh, excuse been, me, have, uh, John, yeah. Jonathan, one of the yeah. greatest pointers of <laughs> Chelsea's history. He ran around yeah. pointing. Yes. Yes, That's can I tell a very did. quick story here? I I went, yeah. There was a football film called Yesterday's Hero, which was about supposed to be about George Best. Ian McShane played it. And I went for the audition for that, to play a footballer. And there was a... Um, I couldn't get in. that. You had a big trial, lots of actors, you know, wandering around trying to kick each other. And there was one bloke who just stood behind the casting director who was standing on the pitch with Frank McClintock, who was looking at at actors to see whether they were good enough. And all this actor did was stand behind him and go and point and say, to me, to him, over here, up there, down there, do it, switch it, man on, man on. And he got the part, this bloke, despite not touching the ball <laughs> at all. And was Pointed. that Darren Wood? Or oh, it probably was Darren, Darren's attempt at kissing. A budding midfield role. general. Yes, he was, budding midfield genius, yeah. But so, I mean, I, he, he, yeah, sorry, Karen. sorry, chaps. I mean, you know, just to get back to the old footy for a second, but uh, mm. I mean, you know, I mean, here's the thing he's not going to play on Monday because he's got a one game ban. But I'm, I'm just thinking that, you know, a spell away from the spotlight has got to, to do him some good because 
He's um, I mean, I, I, do you know what? The, 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 this will resonate, I'm sure, with Clayton and Jonathan, both big cricket fans like myself. But it kind of reminds me of that um, the state of affairs with um, Finn, Steve Finn, when uh, on the on the, uh, the Australia tour before the one we've just had, when he was unplayable. They said, I mean, you couldn't un- unpickable, yes. not unplayable. He was unpickable because his his bowling action had gone to shit so badly that he 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 couldn't even play first class cricket. And 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 I watched Bakayoko last night, and it reminded me of that. You know, he needs to he needs to go away and be given some love and have some confidence restored. I feel. Would you agree with that, Marco? Or is he or is he just toast? Do we just bail out on him? No, I, I think it's inevitable what's going to happen. He's just going to, as as, uh, as has already been alluded to, just join the great Chelsea loan treadmill. Um, whether he ever comes back to Chelsea, uh, who knows? Um, you know. I don't know. I, I thought Ray Wilkins made a good point earlier today about he couldn't get his head around the fact that um, we let Chalabar go to Watford for six million, you know, and, and paid forty million for Bakayoko. Um, he he just couldn't see the differential between the two. I mean, it's a shame Chalabar ended up getting injured so quickly in, into the season before you know you could really see. Um, what sort of player he was he was going to be, um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. It just says a lot, doesn't it, about the state of Chelsea that you know you buy a player like that, keep playing him when he keeps underperforming, and there are other players who don't get a look in. Um, it's all messed up, mate, isn't it? It's all messed <laughs> up. I mean, what to pick up on your points, all of your points, really? You know it. What I can't understand is is how we can sign these players and they they turn up and they they play for us and it, and it looks in a sense like big club syndrome that they just can't hack it here, and then they go off to a small club like Liverpool for example and they're they're world beaters. I mean, what is going on? You know, the number of great players now that we've had who I mean, you know, it it makes me laugh every time I see Sky's bloody footage of Mo Salah scoring another worldie, and then I I'm all somebody thankfully. Put it, put it up on Twitter last night. I think about that 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 shot. I can't Shrey, remember who we were playing Shrey's now. But thank you. Yeah, he took that shot and it and it missed the corner flag. And I mean, yeah. he looked and he played like that every bloody week. He played for us. He looked that shit. You know, why do they go away and get better? I I don't know the answer to that. And I, and I, don't, I mean, unless any of you three have it, I don't know the answer. I really don't. I I think that, and we've alluded to this before, that when people like Salah. And maybe Schiller to another degree, but obviously Schiller's not anywhere near as talented as Salah. When they got their chance under Jose, they were so hyped and so keen to do well that they, they played under the most ridiculous pressure. They put, well, pressure on themselves or pressure put on them by Jose, and they tried too hard. And, you know, the thing is that these guys... I mean, De Bruyne, I think, was just unfortunate. I mean, De Bruyne was just a clash of personalities. He wasn't really given much of a chance. But Salah, just, well, you know, every time he played, he just looked like a headless chicken. And he was obviously nervous. And basically, he's obviously had in the last two managers, better coaches for his personality, who have let him play and let him make mistakes without coating him off. I mean, you know, you sort of... Jose did not come across as somebody who was particularly compassionate. Um, going back to um, to Baca, 
I heard today somebody else on the radio mention, and I thought it's quite a good point actually that that perhaps that the micromanagement of Conte doesn't suit him. You know, the fact that he's just basically not allowed to play his own game because mm. last year he was a different player. Because when we got back at Yoke, I thought, great, we've got a driving midfield player. I've not seen him drive anywhere. <laughs> you know, he's he's basically he's supposed to be running from midfield. You know, bursting through. He hasn't burst anywhere, and I suspect that's because he's not allowed to, and he's been told he can't do that. So whether that's part of the problem, I don't know. But I don't I think, think we'll sell him. I think Drinkwater has the same uh, straight jacket on him. The same. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because he just seems to get the ball and pass left and right. You think, yeah. and you know, or play a kind of long chip that goes for out for a goal kick. You think that's not the way we yeah. saw him play. I think we have to. We we must take into consideration the way that uh, they're drilled. And I think all these hamstring injuries are part of it, I'm afraid. So. Oh, well, we'll uh, this will run and run and run, I feel. I, don't, I mean, I just don't think we, we can find an answer to it because, in a sense, it's unanswerable. But anyway, uh, just to cheer ourselves up heartily, after the break, uh, we're going to relive the horror of an abject performance with some terrible defending, as Alan Hansen might say. And uh, we're going to ask, more crucially, I think, uh, given I, I thought that he was uh, you know, the only one who really had a go, which was Hazard, but it does make me wonder how long he's going to stick around for and if he'll bail out. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the subject that's on everybody's lips, uh, which is really about An- Antonio Conte and what's going on and what the blame game between him and the board. And is he going to stay or is he going to go? And uh, just to lighten the mood a bit, I-, I don't mean this. We're not going to lighten the mood at all. Uh, but we're going to play shoot, shag and marry with the current squad of players. Not literally, as I said in the introduction. We'll see you in a sec. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, of course, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. Uh, a wonderful, cheery, delightfully bright and sunny show tonight after two uh, back-to-back th- uh, defeats for Chelsea uh, by three goals. Uh, hasn't happened since 1995, so there you go. Anyway, to cheer us on our way down this cheery road, we've got the wonderful Jonathan Kidd. Whoop, 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 whoop. There you go. He's on the happy pills. Uh, Marco, are you on the happy pills? Happier pills. Jolly good. And uh, are you on the happier pills or the dementia pills, Clayton? Uh, Both. Oh, good. That's what I like to hear. Equal Um, measures. Anyway, and equal measures. That's what I like to hear. Dr. Chidge is in the house. Anybody want a prescription for happy pills? This is the place to come. Now... Uh, this will sort you all out. Um, the first thing I really want to talk, I mean, just generally, I mean, Christ, on a bike. I mean, it really it really was abject. Um, but I, I have to say, I mean, there was a very interesting, There was, a, there was a, I, I've been listening to Talk Sport this morning, so I, I apologise in advance for anything that I might have picked up there, for like, a, like a nasty rash. Um, but there was some uh, some chap, Chelsea fan, actually, who, who made a very valid point, which is that... Uh, you know, whenever this happens, it's always really easy to stick the boot in and say, it weren't Chelsea crap, but nobody ever says the opposition were good. And and I thought Watford were 
were superb. There's no other word for it. I mean, they were they were looking stronger and dominant from the get go. They were getting right into us, actually. And I think that that's the thing. I mean, even before, you know, let's not even think about the the last six minutes where we parted like the red bloody sea. But, um, you know, for most of the game, they were first to the ball. They they were much more physical than us, and they wanted it more. And I mean, I applaud them for that. I really do. But on the other hand, kind of going against what I said, really, you know, this is not the first time that we've seen Chelsea do this. That's not the first time this season that we've seen Chelsea start poorly, start slowly, and basically be out outfought and bullied and, and, and done so by, by a team, Jonathan, that clearly wanted it more. What the hell but, is all that about? I actually thought it was so similar to the Norwich game away, um, where we started dreadfully. And the trouble is to, to, to slightly um, disagree with you. I think it's very easy for an opposition to come across as being wanting it more and being in charge. If if you as a team appear to have no energy and appear yeah. to make no effort, which is how we started. I mean, I couldn't believe the lack of, of dynamism, the lack of purpose in the first 10 minutes where we failed to get the ball into their half. And I know they were rushing at us, but uh, it was just a kind of... You felt I felt we were about to to roll over and give up in the first ten minutes. You just think, now hang on, you're giving them them the the, the this instant superiority. Um, so I, I I can't quite um, I find I know they played well and they were eager as but as you would expect, um, any team that is below Chelsea and is playing Chelsea and they uh, uh, and, and we have too many international players um, who should be playing at their normal level. Rather than just looking like, I think the expression you've used before is rabbits in the headlights. But I, I, well, I, I'm afraid I, I have a terrible theory, and I think they're they're playing to get him sacked. I don't, I don't. I just, I don't believe that. I just can't. Maybe I'm naive, Jonathan, but I, 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 I can't believe that. Listen, I, I had a chat with Kerry on the Kerry Show last week, and and the word yeah. that I used, and this was after the Bournemouth match, was that I just have a suspicion. Uh, and, and, and without being rude to you, Jonathan, I think this is more plausible. But, you know, and I've seen this before and I've even I've even experienced this when I used to play at the shit level that I played. But, you know, you just sometimes either play for a team or play against a team that just don't fancy it, you know. And if a team doesn't fancy it, they will get done. It's as simple as that. And I think far too many times this season, Chelsea just haven't fancied it, which is why they look so lacklustre. And why they look like they're not up for the physical challenge. I mean, it, but, I'm not trying to decry he, what you said, but yeah, no, absolutely. But how can he allow this, though? How can well, how can he as a, good a manager allow and or even even countenance having a team that 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 isn't up for it? I mean, that's just just absurd. Giving his track record, why doesn't he do what Mourinho did? Where if somebody plays like an idiot, just take him off at the beginning. That was one thing I always loved about Mourinho. When you know, if Joe Cole never did what he said he was wanted him to do, he'd take him off. You felt yes, he's making a a decision here to change the change the team. He doesn't appear to do anything at the moment, Conte. Yeah, you know, well, without so I, without, I, he, without jumping, he's, he's given up. I know we're going to get to talk about this later, but I'm I. I'm, <clears> I felt that that was a team that thought I don't care about you as a manager I don't care about this result I just want this over over and done with I don't want you yeah. to be running this club anymore that's that's what it looked like to me well what, what do you say Clayton 
Uh, I'm going to disagree with both of you. Um, okay. I don't. Th I don't think it's, it's got nice anything. <laughs> I don't think it's got anything to do with anything like that. I just basically think we haven't got the players. We have been worked out by a, a, opposing managers. We are being swarmed in midfield. We haven't got any fighters. We haven't got any battlers. And we're basically being swamped. And we can't do anything about it. We're, the, the, the midfield that we have is basically dependent upon the wing-backs, which is fine. And that's the way that we play. But the way that we play have been worked out. And other teams are just swamping the midfield. And we haven't got the numbers. And we haven't got the sort of players that can battle. I exclude Kante from that because obviously he's just one of the best around. But at the moment, he's just basically the old finger in the dike boy, isn't he? Because there's nobody to help him. Um, and, and that, I think, is what happened last night. And that's what's happened in other games. We have not got the equipment to cope with teams swarming and being teams just look... They, they might look more up for it, but they're playing a different way. They're just basically... It happened against Bournemouth and it happened against uh, Watford. The teams just swamp us and we can't cope with it. Our, the, the makeup of the team is not set for how teams are now playing against us. And this is the disappointing thing. And I don't know whether it's his demeanour, but he is not doing anything to change the system. How, you know, the, the three mini strikers doesn't work. It's been worked out. We, when there's no focal point, we can't do anything. Um, this just comes straight back to us, doesn't it? That's the thing. And we get swamped yeah. more. I mean, you get lumped yeah. it up there. What's going to happen? Um, yeah. You know, whatever anybody thought about Giroud last night, when he came on, he gave them a different problem. The whole focus changed, you know, and the, and the way that we were attacking them had changed. I think the other thing last night, um, which obviously has got nothing to do with um, how Watford played, was that I just didn't understand his substitutions. I mean, especially after Bakayoko went off. Mm. When you need somebody, when we're being absolutely swamped in midfield, who's the last person that you need <laughs> in the uh, midfield? Chess Fabregas? That would be the one. <laughs> you know, yeah, who that was basically a bit bizarre, wasn't it? was like a guy stuck in the middle of a motorway trying to cross over the road. He just basically. Well, to be fair, Clayton, I don't. I don't think he played that badly, really. Oh, in, in I, don't, context. I don't think he in played context that of well. the awfulness. In context of the awfulness that we're seeing, at least he managed to pass to players in a blue shirt, one in every kind of three times. So on that yeah, basis, exactly. it was an improvement. Exactly. So you know that, that that's my take on it. I just basically think we are we're in a mess at the moment, and I think the mm. team is not. The players are lacking confidence because I think they can see what's happening and they don't and appear they don't to be to getting with any it. help. Yeah. Marco, um, whose version are you going to side with? Mine, JK's or Clayton's? Or even have one of your own? It's allowed. You know, we welcome, we welcome diversity of opinion. on the, We're a diverse and inclusive show, if nothing else. Uh, I, what I think is, um, I actually think it's, it's been a gradual process that um, you can trace all the way back to the falling out with um, Diego Costa last year you know, January of last year. Um, I think there's, you know, there's been a gradual sort of, not erosion of trust, but he's kind of like, he's my way or the highway with, with the players. And, you know, Costa was, 
you know, he was he was one of the men in the dressing room, wasn't he? You know, it was kind of like I go to war, you come with me. Um, so that's, no leaders. Well, that's the type of spirit Chelsea need, mm. you know. And the same with um, you know, and, and sort of the Costa thing progressed to its natural conclusion, and you know, the text message. Quite how that would have rubbed off on the players, I don't know. Um, you know, and, and then. There was the, the spat with um, David Luiz, you know, after the Roma game when Luiz criticised um, his tactics. Uh, so I just think all of that has just been like a war of attrition, the overtraining thing. You know, we've never been, you know, it, it used, we used to laugh at Arsenal as being the team that where, where Wenger always got his training wrong, the players were always injured. You know, we, we had eight hamstring injuries or whatever yeah. it is this season. Um, you know, all, all of those things, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's, it's a gradual building. And, I, you know, and I'm sorry, you know, the form, you look at the form that since the turn of the year, you know, I think, you know, played 10 or whatever it is, drawn five, won two and lost three. And the last two results, you know, that home defeat to Bournemouth, you know, we made them look like Barcelona. And, yeah, they did play with fire in their belly and come with a plan. And, you know, and it was the same with, you know, Watford obviously looked at what Bournemouth did and said, well, we'll have some of that because Chelsea aren't up for it. And that's exactly what happened. You know, and we, we now face the ridiculous scenario where we we play West Brom next to a bottom of the Premier League. We then play uh, Hull, who are in the bottom three in the Championship. And then after that, we've got Barcelona and the two Manchester clubs away from home. Um, so you know, we'll, we'll lose to West Brom and Hull, Marco, and we'll smash Barcelona. You watch. Put money well, on I, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I, you know, I've already put a lot of money on Chelsea to prevail against Barcelona. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> which I'm adding to on the dips, as they say in uh, stock market parlance. But, um, you know, I, I just think... It's not. It's just not a big surprise what what's happened. Um, what I find surprising is that you know Roman Abramovich just seems to have almost detached himself from this. He he went down. I can't remember when it was when he when he he went down to see um, Conte at Cobham. It was in the just after the Burnley game, wasn't it? After the burn, yeah, it was quite early on in the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and, that, and that, that's another thing that's crept into Chelsea's game: ill, ill discipline. You know, we had two players sent off in that game. I've lost track of the number of players who've had sent seven, off this seven this season, more than anybody else. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could argue, you know, maybe the ref last. You know, it was a bit harsh. The second yellow. But to be honest with you, it's all it's all part of the same thing, isn't it? Ill discipline, lack of motivation, lack of cohesion. Um, you know, where, where does the buck stop with with all of those things? You know, sooner or later. I mean, I, I love Conte. You know, last season was absolutely brilliant, but you know, clearly. Well, there's no. an issue there. Let's hold. Let's hold our powder on that because we're going to come back to that in a minute. Um, no, one, so one, thing, you, you've, you've... one second, I just say that, that what I said was 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 actually part of what Marco said. I think yeah. it's reached the stage now where they're not playing for him, 
and they don't care because of all yeah. these incidents that Marco mentioned. Yeah, well, let, let's let's pick up on the on the Conte thing towards the yeah. end of this part. Uh, you've all mentioned um, a little bit. Uh, you've all mentioned David Luiz, I think, and I think this is something I just want to pick up very very quickly because, you know, Hazard, which we're going to talk about in a minute. I mean, you know, one nil down. Okay, we came back into it one nil. In fact, it's really interesting actually because I I, I uh, walked into work today and my my boss is a is a big Arsenal fan. She she really knows her football actually, unlike most Arsenal fans. Um, and she, she she just looked at me and she kind of knew better than to take the piss actually, which I thought was very good of her. And I said, "Did you watch it?" <clears throat> and she said, "Yeah." She said, "I thought you lot were all right in the second half. I thought you played a lot better." And I thought it was really interesting to hear a review from somebody who's not emotionally wedded it, wedded to it like us. But there was a moment when we when we equalised, and I thought, well, you know, we might we might nick a win here, or at least we'll get away with a one one draw. What I didn't expect was the worst capitulation by a British team since we surrendered Singapore during the Second World War. <laughs> I mean. Christ on a bike. I mean, that was just awful. Have they outlawed tackling or something, Jonathan? I mean, what's going on? I mean, I have to be—I have to be frank, and I'll pick this up in the shoot shag, Mary, which I have a suspicion will end up being in part three. But I'm sorry, but I just don't think Gary Cahill, and I can't believe I'm saying this, having defended him so resolutely for seasons and seasons and seasons, but he's shot, mate. And and I—I I have an element of sympathy with Louise because he's not been starting a lot, and you know, he, he's possibly not Matt Sharp. But that was just... They just walked through three times. What is going on, JK? No, I, it was absolutely dreadful, wasn't it? It was... But kind of predictable um, after the second goal. I actually thought... I think we... I thought we, we'd give away f- uh, five because we just... It, their heads went completely down and uh, they seemed incapable of dealing with the pace. I mean... Um, who was it? Was was running the ragged? Was the the, the de la Foy guy, um, yeah, however, yeah, however yeah. you pronounce his name, who had a terrific game. I mean, I actually thought that he dived and uh, didn't touch um, uh, Courtois at all um, uh, for the penalty, which um, uh, which Courtois seemed to think was was what happened. Um, but he was a complete live wire. And what I find astonishing is that if we're trying to buy players, we seem to have lost that ability to see, well, actually, he went to Barcelona from Everton. He's not got in the Everton. He's not got in the Barcelona side. And Watford have picked him up and he played as well as that. You go, mm. where were we? Where were, why did we end up? Aren't our, don't we have scouts looking at this kind of situation? Did they think he wasn't good enough? Because he was outstanding. And, uh, and he was sharper than everybody else. And I think that's the... He was kind of the the, the galvanising, um, you know, he, he galvanised everything, really, uh, Delafoy. De but we, uh, it, I'm afraid, I agree with you completely that it, it was uh, Cahill was was standing in treacle a lot of the time, and um, perhaps one just has to accept now. I'm I like you. I've always thought, well, you know, um, it's unfair. He's having a go at him, and that. The, the the back line last night was the one that won the title last year, wasn't it? It was um, yeah. Dave, yeah. Louise and him. But uh, um, uh, I even thought Dave had a peculiarly bad game. That business of of in the first half of missing, um, uh, what's his name? The, Deeney. Uh, the, Deeney, they're slightly mad, aggressive um, centre-forward who clearly puts the it about... The ex-con, rem- you mean. Re- reminds me of Ricardo Fuller from Stoke. Who didn't have a great deal of talent, but was terribly good at standing on your foot. 
you know, and, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, <laughs> just, just oh, generally brilliant. being being a nuisance, complete nuisance. Um, but that business, when he left him alone at the corner and he volleyed wide because he's not good enough. I mean, volleys the wrong word. It hit him on the foot and went out for a goal kick. But uh, I thought even Dave is getting the disease here. And I just thought there were there was something missing. You'd have thought. I think one of the errors as well was that after the one-one, we we appeared to go for it rather than bringing on Rudiger or something or or making it making it more watertight. We we actually attempted to get the win, and that didn't help us because it stretched us. Um, so there is uh, an extenuating circumstance here that we did try to win it. However, um, mm. it makes you also realise how fantastic Christensen has been this season. Um, yeah. Because uh, those uh, those three at the moment are not... Well, Dave uh, let us down. He's normally wonderful. But um, Louise and Cahill together are just... Uh, uh, they're just not good enough. And I think, as okay. you say, well, it's because Louise hasn't played much. And also, the other thing, can I say, it's because he has been the complete... As Marco said the focus of an unbelievable amount of, of, um, of bad uh, um, karma between him and uh, Conte. There's been, he has been yeah, the focus yeah. for a huge amount. I'm, I've waffled on, sorry. You, uh, you have, take. but I still love you. Don't worry. Um, Thank you. Listen, uh, you know, one man who I think, uh, you know, emerged with, with some credit, if you can say that, uh, was Eden Hazard. And it's very interesting, actually, because I was having a good old chat with lots of people. It may even have been on last week's show. I can't remember. But, you know, I was bemoaning the lack of leaders. It was either in a blog or something. And somebody said, well, you know, Hazard's all right. You know, what are you talking about? Actually, it was with Heon, I think. It was the chat I was having. He said, Hazard's a leader. He's captain for Belgium. I said, get out of here. But actually, I thought, you know, bless his heart, he didn't give up. He did try. He scored an absolute worldie, only to be let down by some absolutely pub pub bloody football team defending um you know and i kind of do you know what i i actually i actually you know it's fun i don't know if you guys feel that when you're watching it on your own it's a very different game when you're watching it on your own you're watching it on the telly because you your mind wanders off to strange places with strange thoughts maybe that's just me and that's what i do all the time probably true but i i kind of i actually started to feel sorry for hazard actually and i started kind of saying to myself you know what? If if he does go at the end of the season to Real Madrid, I wouldn't blame him. Actually, I I mean having to play with those idiots every week, I don't blame him. And then and then I kind of woke up and got got back with the program and thought, no, I shall I shall be bitter about it and be sucking lemons if it happened and all the rest of it. But it does beg a question, doesn't it, Clayton? You know, do you think he might? A, do you think he'll go? And B, do you blame him? Uh, um. I think the next couple of months will dictate what happens. I mean, I think if we get absolutely humiliated by Barcelona, then I think that might be the final straw. Um, I, I agree. I thought he, he he was superb last night. I thought Kante was also very good as well. Um, I suppose, you know, they're going to look around and, and say, what are the prospects? I mean, this, this was the other damaging thing about the transfer window is, is that people like him and... Courtois looking round, thinking, well, if you want to keep us... Where's this club going? You know, we'll show some ambition. And we're not showing mm. any ambition at all. Um, I th- yeah, I mean, the defence last night, yes, they were atrocious, but there was no protection. You had Kante doing his best and Fabregas, 
Hmm, and there was no point. protection. You basically have got these guys just running at them. Don't get me wrong. I thought Cahill was, was not good last night. I thought he was awful against Bournemouth as well. Um, and perhaps he's had his day. I don't know. I, I always sort of hark back to the fact that I think that people, certain players need to be playing all the time. And I think that Cahill probably has suffered from not being playing all the time. Um, you know, you look for people putting their bollocks on the line and he does that. He, he made the most amazing block last night, um, but he was part of a defence that was just a complete shower. I mean, I don't blame Louise. I think if Louise has got the arse, we don't know what's happened, but I actually thought, you know, for somebody who hadn't played a game for ages, I thought he did okay up to a point. I thought Dave probably looked bad because he was trying to cover for everybody else. I think Zappa cost is just not good enough. Um, and, you know, why spend £20 million on a left-back and keep him on the bench and put a right-back at left-back? Um, yes. And I, I just, I think the whole thing's a shambles at the moment. And I think the last night, it was quite interesting because you talk about Hazard and I can't remember what game it was. It might have actually been the Newcastle game in the Cup. And I, I went with my son and I just turned around to him and I said, God help us when he's gone, because at the moment there is literally nothing else. I mean, I've thought on quite a few occasions. And I'm not saying this in in sort of the sort of hindsight's a wonderful thing, but I thought on a quite a few occasions this year, even in games that we've won, we just don't look very good. We look like a really, really ordinary run of the mill side at the moment, and I think it's it's all catching up with us. Um, so I didn't answer your question. I brilliantly avoided it. But I think unless something happens in the next couple of months, whether the team pulls together, um, I, I think there's a good chance that Eden will go. Mm. Marco, I mean, kind of reading between the lines of what Clayton was saying there, actually, it's a good point to be made that, you know, Hazard's the last genuinely kind of marquee signing we made. I mean, I don't I don't think Morata was. You know, he, he was struggling to get a game with Real Madrid. Uh, Hazard was well sought after when we bought him and, and we landed him, but we haven't really landed anybody of his calibre since then. Courtois, you know, arguably a youth product, tenuously. Um, if if you're Eden Hazard and, and you're thinking about your future at Chelsea and you're looking at some of the people that we've signed, when really you should be a player whom we're building a, a team around, what would you be thinking? To be honest with you, I, I think... So, couple of things about Hazard. One, I've been led to believe he's he's very settled with his life in London. Um, so, you know, all, all the talk, providing he's playing at the highest level, you know, he's got, I think, uh, you know, like a lot of those players, potentially he's got in mind on the World Cup already. Um, and that's going to become a, an even bigger distraction as the season goes on. So not getting injured, um, you know, not wanting to jeopardise your place um, at the World Cup. But I think, you know, with, with Hazard, he um, may well wait and see what happens in respect of, you know, if Chelsea do qualify for the champion, next season's Champions League. And, you know, I, th I think in our heart of hearts, we all know Conte he's unlikely to be the manager next season. And I think it's just a question of, you know, 
will the stars align to keep him at the bridge? And if if they don't, you know, what what's the alternative? Um, you know, how, how old is he now? 26, 27? 27, 27. So arguably coming into that peak period of his career. Right. You know, you know. I mean, Barcelona kept told of Lionel Messi, didn't they? Um, yeah. And if you know, if, if if he's happy in his skin, then uh, why why not? He could stay at Chelsea. Why? Why? Who? 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 Who is? Who is calling me at this hour? It's about. It's about this time we kind of roll on a you know a special guest, but sadly that's just my doorbell ringing in my office. But uh, never mind. Um, sorry, Marco, for that interruption. No, no. Can I just, can I just yeah, say something? Sorry, can I just leap in there quickly? I've heard that he won't sign if Conte stays. Right. Well, well, is this one of your... You know what they say about yes. your rumours? You get people all hot under the collar when you say things like that. Yes, well, I, and I've been, I've been proven right by several of them. Trust me. Trust me. At the how end many? Of it, how many? You know, a, a broken watch is right twice a day, Jonathan. You no, know, no, excuse me. You're being unbelievably cruel. I, I have been a source. <laughs> I have been a source of really interesting rumour, <laughs> which may which may just be rumour, but I don't think it is. Um, that other piece of information that I gave you about the beginning of the season, where the transfer window was a bit rubbish because he said he was off. Um, has been has come back at me, but people saying it's up. You're absolutely right, Jonathan. That's exactly what happened. And once oh, again, I, I I can't prove it, can I? But that's what I've been told. So uh, this is my new one. He won't sign. Neither will Courtois <laughs> if Conte stays. <laughs> Having said that, though, I I love Caballero. Caballero. I know you hate him, Clayton, because he's rubber. But I love the. To me, he's he's typical of the way that at least I'm getting some joy out of watching the team when he plays because he's so unpredictable. And you think, yeah, this is good. I like this. Whereas at least, whereas um, uh, we'll get on to it. Old um, Courtois at the moment is not not looking good as a goalkeeper. So uh, I, I like somebody who's a shot stopper because, as I say, reminds Jonathan, me of I, I, I've got I've yes. got to, I've got to interrupt you because there's a couple of comments on on Mixler which oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah please please yeah, literally yeah. literally made yeah. me laugh out loud. Yeah, uh, but uh, uh, Bonnie Rig Blues, who who I, I have, I'm going to say this on air because I always forget to say this to him on Twitter. But Bonnie Rig Blues, for God's sake, the next time you come down to the bridge, you've got to find us for a beer. I I I, I desperately need to have a beer with you. Yeah, you know, so I agree. I'm make sure it happens. Well. I'd love to. I know because the number of times we chat to him on Twitter and on here. Yeah. But he yeah, says, yeah. Uh, uh, re read the doorbell ringing. It's Antonio Conte. Let him in, Chidge. <laughs> which I thought was very funny. But he, even better, uh, the wonderful Peter Sampson. For those of you who don't know Pete, Pete, Pete is the, the brains behind the wonderful CFC Net uh, site and is, is, is an absolute legend and then some. Uh, and, he, and I haven't seen him for a while, which is a great shame. But he says, is JK turning into Mike Parry? <laughs> just absolutely... <laughs> Did you see that you in know the what week? That means? That... Did you see what that in the week I'm on, into... on, on TalkSport? When he said... Um... He said uh, Chelsea have only become a club since 2003 because before that oh, they only yeah, won yeah, yeah. one. They only won one trophy. Absolutely, it, twat. It, you know. Uh, you, a, you, I love, you do realise it. If you're turning into Mike Parry, that means I'm turning into Mike Graham, which is probably even more frightening. But there you go. Um, listen, I'm going to move this on um, a, a tad. I mean, look, obviously, I think just to underpin it, really, um, we really. Uh, 
Oh, hang on. Now, now, hot off the press, Mark Barfoot, uh, the lovely Mark Barfoot from Hastings Blue, says, Say hi to Jonathan for me, Chidge. We've just had a very interesting meeting together at Chelsea, and he had to leave the meeting early. Nice no, to no, meet no, him no, in the flesh. No, no I deny That's it. That's where you did. were. I deny it. You deny it. it, do you? You deny, I deny it. it. Okay. I've denied. Well, we signed you know, a non-declaration agreement. He's breaking. <laughs> it's all coming he, out. It's all coming be, out. I love he's it. He's gonna be. He's gonna be arrested now. Oh my God! What's he is done? Mark is, Barf at blue is, cheese? Is Mark Barf Barf at blue cheese? No, he's, no, no. I'm blue cheese. <laughs> Quality. Well done, Mark. Uh, I've just, I've just shopped you, grassed you up. But hey, don't let that worry. Um, listen, I just want to underline the Eden Hazard thing. I, I, I really hope he stays. I, 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 I can't remember which. Uh, CFC UK article it was in that I uh, that I wrote on this <clears throat> possibly the the New Year one but you know I I think he's one of the best players I've ever seen play at Chelsea and and players like him do not come round uh, you know every day of the week so you know when you have a player like that you cherish them and you want them to stay at the club for as long as you can and I think what what flabbergast me and I think this is the point I was making about the fact that we've never really made any kind of marquee signings since him he's the kind of player that you build a team around you know I think I said it in in another article this week but uh, you know he's the he's the icing on the top of the cake you know but sadly if if Chelsea were a cake at the moment there'd be a souffle but uh, I shall leave it on that point what I'd like to do is to move it on a bit uh, kind of tie all this together in terms of what we've been alluding to all night which was really about uh, Antonio Conte um, I have to be honest I was astonished uh, not just last night um, but uh, listening to the radio today but the, the amount of um, reaction uh, immediate reaction I mean you know most of the, the the television boys and the and sky sports news are literally coming in their pants at this prospect of antonio getting the boot you know it was quite obscene and it was much the same on the radio today but there was a, also i was very surprised i mean marco was on twitter a fair bit as i was last night but i was quite surprised also by the reaction uh, not not from the usual lunatics on twitter of which there are many but there were many you know what i would consider you know reasonable uh supporters uh, that i know on twitter and and the opinion was really quite divided about whether he should stay or, or sh- he should go and and i was surprised by that particularly i think when one puts it in this kind of context um you know some people on the radio today were saying some of the commentators pundits were saying uh, you know, it's awful, he's got to go, it's worse than uh, Mourinho. And I'm thinking, whoa, 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 no, no. We fired Jose Mourinho when we were in 16th or 17th place and out of everything. And yet here we are, we're in fourth position in the Premier League. Uh, we are still in the FA Cup, the very winnable tie against Hull City. And OK, we've got Barcelona in the Champions League, but we're still in it. So, you know... We're, we're worlds apart from what happened with Jose Mourinho and suddenly the media have managed to conflate the two and, you know, I, I, I actually woke up this morning generally surprised, happily surprised that Conte was still in the job because the way it was spun last night was that he clearly wouldn't be. Um, I think there, there are lots of things to do with this, chap, so I'll, I'll come to you first, Marco, but I think there's there's clearly been a bit of a blame game going on and I can't remember if it was before we went on air or not, but we were talking about Conte, in a sense, writing a suicide note and, and goading them into firing him. But I think, you know, I think you made the point, Marco, earlier on, didn't you, about the, the fact that the, the board's silence on the matter actually just compounds stuff. And, and it leaves the supporters all in a complete pickle. Um, 
I think there are questions to, to, to be answered about Conte's management, and I think he isn't blameless. But if we're talking about a blame game, where does it lie at the moment? Is it Conte? Is it the players? Or is it the board? Or is it a combination of all of them? I, I think it, I think now it's a combination of all three. I, I think um, it's almost as if, you know, we were talking about Bakayoko being like a rabbit caught in the headlights. I think that those three parties are sort of looking at each other um, and none of them really, you know, know what to do next. It's kind of like, you know, if the board pull the trigger on Conte, what what happens then, you know, especially, you know, given, you know, I could see why where a lot of people were coming from last night just in respect to that 2012 scenario um, you know, with the FA Cup and the Champions League still to play for. Um, but, you know, the, the difference now is, as I said earlier, you know, Abramovich just seems to be staying away from it. I know, I think um, there's, a, there's an article just gone up on the Tory graph uh, regarding um, Abramovich saying he's not going to allow player power to, uh, you know, drive Conte out. In, in the same way that, that happened with Mourinho. I mean, all, all of those things, it's, it's, it's the sum of all the parts is the disaster that is Chelsea right now, you know, and the, and the, and the current form, you know, it's not an overnight thing. This, this has been, we've been gradually going to the dogs for, for a while now, you know, with the odd blip, e.g. the Brighton game, where, you know, they woke up and played football, um, you know, because at the end of the day, those guys, if, if they put their game together, and I'm sure we'll see this against West Brom on Monday, you know, they, 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 they'll hammer them and everybody will think, you know, oh, brilliant, Chelsea are back. But but really, you know, it's just, um, I don't know, the, the veneer, underneath the veneer, there's uh, rust bubbling away. Um and it's only going to end one way anyway. So, in my, you know, it's just a matter of time, isn't it? Really. Well, this is this is the point I was making, you know, because we were having a chat because we were waiting for J.K. before we started, and I, and, I, and maybe I did say I said, I'm, I'm living in such a kind of weird super reality. I don't know what I've said when I've said it, but uh, you know, there's there's a sense to me that uh, you know the club, uh, the media. Um, I think even the players and and actually the supporters too have become conditioned to the way that Chelsea are in the in the Abramovich era. You know, we fail, and 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 by failure I mean we don't win the Premier League, the Champions League, the FA Cup, and the League Cup, or all of them. Then um, the manager gets fired. You know, it's as simple as that. And I think that that and I, I, one thing I've seen and noticed on Twitter. It, it, and I have to say, I'm generally surprised by this. That there seems to be a real sea change uh, now. Well, you know, I don't, he, he's not going to be there at the end of the summer anyway. That's pretty much a done thing. Oh well, he's not doing this. He's not doing that. Oh well, we might as well get rid of him. And I've never really seen that before. Normally, uh, we we stick behind the manager for so long. Actually, Paul Crowder's just said it on on on. Uh, he's articulated what I'm trying to articulate far better than me, which is why he's won an Oscar and I haven't. But he says we've normalised it by allowing it to happen without really making much ado about it. I think Paul's absolutely nailed it, Jonathan. That's what's happened. It's become the normal thing. So I don't think we kind of protest about it or grumble about it as much as we might have done a few years ago. I completely agree. I, I, um, 
there's a huge expectation now that he will be uh, he will be sacked uh, 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 to me after the Barcelona game if they don't do well. Um, but that's an interesting point that if if Abramovich doesn't want player power uh, to uh, to push uh, push Conte out this time, um, which could be a new beginning, he could then start integrating more of the youth team uh, because I reckon that. Um, uh, one of the common denominators in this is in in player power at the moment is Hazard, um, and I think it was he it, he was uh, instrumental in getting rid of um, Mourinho, and I think he's involved with William at the moment. Um, uh, and I think they've. Uh, having said that, though, uh, he he played wonderfully, so perhaps. Perhaps. As does William when he plays, I think when generally. Plays, I, I, I know, I agree. Time for I, I, no, I thought yeah. William was. I thought William was. William is. It, it, once again, we mentioned it against Brighton. William was absolutely superb. But you, you keep. Well, is it because he's injured again at the moment? Did he come back too soon? If that's the case, why did why did Conti therefore not play Giroud from the beginning? And, uh, because and he doesn't think he, he doesn't think he's match fit. He doesn't think he's match fit because he hasn't played for fifty days, and there's a, a case to be made that he isn't. And I think with William, you know, uh, Nick Lennartson says uh, William was not having a great start yesterday. Well, I'm not so sure about that. I don't think any of them had a great start. But of course, William's nursing a hamstring injury, so he I think if you go a man down, yeah, hang yeah. on, hear me out, hear me out. Yeah. If, if you go a man down. Uh, that means that the ten players are going to have to run around a lot more. So, in a in a sense, whilst it was bloody irritating, I can understand why he took William off or sacrificed William to save him from putting his hamstring under a lot of pressure. So, there is yeah. that. It just seemed an odd, as you said before, an odd substitution to bring on Fabregas at the time. Well, Nick Nick also says, "Well, why play him, Chidge? Well, because he's bloody good. And if you're going to play that confounded." irritating Three. ridiculous false, false number nine. nine yeah yeah then you've got to play it with william at the very least uh well it's got to be william uh hazard and pedro but we know that it works like shit if it's just pedro and hazard and a and other so it's got to be william in there so that that would be why would be my yeah. case i mean jonathan Pe- jonathan you see, an you, sorry go on mate actually. go on can i guess you know pedro's an interesting case in point actually because he he's just not been the player that he was last season at all this year he started off well, scoring a few decent goals, but he seems to be, um, we talked about headless chickens, he just seems to be running at players and falling over a lot. And uh, mm. um, he's become not as reliable as he was. I mean, once again, we, you know, the, the Brighton game, we, were, we, we, we pulled it out of the draw, didn't we? We were excellent. Yeah. So we I'd like to know it. what on earth went, happened there, that that all clicked. Did they not come at us in the same way? Uh, it's it's mysterious, isn't it? Can I can I Listen, just say something? No, no, about no hang on, hang on a minute, Clay. Okay. Hang on, hang on, Clay. I'm, I'm going to make an editorial decision, which is I'm going to uh, shove things down into the next part. We probably won't talk about Bournemouth, for which most people will be utterly relieved, uh, and we're going to carry on with the Conte chat because obviously it's 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 what's most important at the moment. So we're going to have a quick break, and then we're going to come straight back into where we were. And Clayton gets first dibs. Scouts honour. Chidge. JK, in all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. (laughs) It's all too much. (laughs) I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? 
Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back. Uh, this is uh, the Chelsea Fancast, and uh, you're listening to me, Stanford Chidge, and the wonderful Jonathan Kidd, <coughs> and the ever so wonderful Clayton Beerman. Hello. And the Chelsea legend that is Marco Worrell, Mr. Gate 17 himself. Buonasera. Buonasera, mi amico. Right. Now, we were we were in the throes of Conte Gate uh, before we decided to go to a break. It, the show's all over the place tonight. We've had uh, people ringing my doorbell, people phoning me up, people leaving me messages, and it's all over the shop. But it's just one of those, I don't mind. You know, if the club are a shambles, the Chelsea fan cast can also be a shambles. But uh, It's a mirror. Cut- it's a mirror. It's a mirror. We mirror each other, don't we? Um you know, we cut Clayton off in his prime uh, just before we went to a break. So, Clayton, would you like to pick up on where we left you off? Uh, yes, I will. Um, Jonathan was saying how good we were at Brighton, but I beg to differ. I thought we were great for 10 minutes at the beginning. I thought we were great for 10 minutes at the end. And I thought we were decidedly average for 17 minutes in the middle. We gave away a stone-cold penalty, which wasn't given, which would have possibly made it 2-1 or 1-1 all, or no, it would have made it 2-1 and who knows what would have happened they hit the post when it was 2-1 so yes it was a victory and yes we showed for 10 minutes what we could do but it wasn't a consistent performance I think you know that it was a shouldn't, we shouldn't deride it but it was it, it was a it was a fairly average performance but with four minutes or sorry, 10 minutes at the beginning, 10 minutes at the end were fantastic. But in between that, I mean, the one thing that I don't actually, I can't get my head around and maybe it's because of the pressure that's being put on us. We can't pass anymore. Mm. We just keep, can we, can we get, can we get back away. to the Conte issue, mate? Can we get yes. back to that? Go on, Which then. really boils down to, I only say that cause we did, we did Brighton a few weeks ago yeah. and I don't want to do it again, but, um, 
I think the Conte's made mistakes, but I think the board have made mistakes too. But ultimately, it's difficult, I think, the position that we find ourselves in supporters, largely because we don't get anything out of the board. But if we just kind of run down, uh, you know, this is, this is actually it's bizarre, isn't it? Because, of course, you, you are a man with legal knowledge and it's, this, is, this is a bit like a courtroom battle, you know, the case for the prosecution and the case of the defence. You know, yep. Conte's management, players overtrained. Marco mentioned this earlier, players fatigued, too many hamstring injuries. Something that's come up recently as well is this idea that there have been um, you know, he's in terms of his management style, and he—he—I don't know where I read this, but he's incredibly precise with the moves that they make, and he does this in training, and they have to remember set patterns, a bit like the bloody red arrows, mate. But you know, maybe there are too many instructions, which means that they can't actually think for themselves. Or more to the point, when it goes Pete Tong or a side like Watford, shall we say, just hits you with something they didn't expect, they don't really know how to cope with it, and. Uh, another thing that occurred to me, Clayton, was that when England uh, won the Rugby World Cup, there was this kind of uh, concept called teacup that Clive Woodward brought into it. And this was really uh, an area where it enabled the players to to be able to, you know, perform and, and think for themselves on the pitch. Which, and, of course, rugby is a very systematic game. You know, there's a lot of set moves and manoeuvres that they do, but it's not enough. And he used to call it teacup, which meant thinking clearly under pressure. Something that's clearly absent, if any, if any of us, as we all did, watch Chelsea play Watford last night. So that, that's the kind of the case of the prosecution against uh, Conte. But the case of the, the defence is what he's been stating all along, which he wasn't backed in the, in the transfer window. He hasn't got the players that he wants. He hasn't got the quality players that he needs. And I remember uh, before the season started, uh, you know, John Terry, when he left, says, this club needs five or six quality players and I don't think we've got them so you know the board are culpable in this are they not yeah they are if they haven't got him what he wanted which appears to be the case the squad last season wasn't big enough um we sold players and we replaced them but we didn't add and we we've done this consistently consistently over the last couple of years it's basically we are we are budgeting. We're not. We're now not on the same level as other clubs. Whereas before we were, now we're not. Um, we're not spending the money. I mean, perfect example: Manchester City in the last transfer window. Now I know that we're talking about a club who've got endless amounts of money. They basically needed a centre half. He had a buyout clause of 65 million euros and they went, here you go, here's 65 million euros. No negotiation, nothing. They just went and did it. Conte has been desperate for Alexis Sandro um, and we have fanned about and fanned about and Juve, okay, Juve have, have probably asked too much money for him. But if you've got a great manager who does great things, who says, I need this player, surely you just go out and buy him. I, I there was There was a thing the other last week, maybe on Twitter, trying to work out how much money we have wasted on left backs mm. in the last five yeah. years. And all the and money that just... we've wasted, we could have gone out and bought one brilliant left back and end a story. Now I'm not saying that Emerson Lake and Palmieri is basically going to be crap, <laughs> but it's 20 million euros here. I don't know how much we paid for uh, Felipe Luise, who, basically could have done the job and should have been there forever. 
you know, we sold Ryan Bertrand and we've just gone through this progression of left backs. And here was an opportunity in the summer to say to Juve, fine, this is what you want for him. Here's the money. We're cutting corners. We're not basically, we're not on a level playing field now. We're, we're buying, mm. I'm not saying we're buying bang average players, but we're not, <clears throat> what seems to have happened over the last couple of years is we're not improving the side. We're sort of buying, you know, we're, we're, we're buying sticky plasters to plaster over what's, what's missing. But we're not basically going out and saying, here's a brilliant left back. Here's a fantastic midfield player. Here's a fantastic forward. Okay, we've got Morata. And by the way, where is Morata? There's, there's something going on with Morata. I, can't, I don't believe he's injured. I, he's I not know. injured. He's not injured. No, he's not. I know that did, did he lost a friend, didn't he, in a car crash. Um, yeah. And, but, but, that, but that only happened last week. And then there was like, he's been absent for the two weeks beforehand. You know, there, there's something not quite right there. But the fact is, we've done it for years. Two strikers to go into the season for four trophies. It's yeah, just well, insane, bad management. It? It hasn't, but hasn't Conte very, made a, a rod for his own back? Conte's made a rod for his own back by winning it last year with a team that he said weren't really capable of doing it. So suddenly yeah, they're if going... You had, if, you had, if you had a proper, proper football people on the board, they would have yes. gone, yes, he's done brilliantly with a limited squad, but we have to remember that he he basically didn't have any Europe. He wasn't playing three times a week. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. You know, that, that, you just need somebody to say, that's why we won it last year, because we didn't have any of the other distractions. Mm, that's a very good and valid point. Marco, I mean, in a, in a sense, what Clayton's saying is what we, we would all agree with, which is we, we've been buying quantity, but not quality, which is really what uh, Signore Conte has been, been saying as well. I mean, you know, I, I think I think the way that the football club has run it does not really endear itself to sustained. I know this sounds daft to say it because we do it all the time, but on paper it shouldn't shouldn't beget sustained success. But I, I think you know your article earlier on today for ESPN. I mean, you know, Conte's not blameless in all of this, is he? I don't think he is because um, I think Conte's. You know, a bit like Mourinho, you know, his biggest enemy is himself. You know, Conte's, he wears his heart on his sleeve, which is great because he's a man of the people and that's why we love him. But he's also, you know, he's quite an abrasive character. Um, and I don't think that, you know, he, he's his way of um, perhaps communicating what he wants and why he wants it. Um, has been done in the best possible way, and I, you know, and I, and I think that could pro- possi- quite possibly have been levelled at Mourinho as well. I and mean, if you look at, you know, if you go back to um, the, the, the the reasons why you know Mourinho would say things didn't go well for him second time around at Chelsea, it was that transfer window. You know, it, it was um, I can't remember who it was now. It was John Stones and Pogba, wasn't it? Um, that that he wanted, um, you know, and 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 again with with Conte uh, last summer, you know, the the players that he that that you know I know Lukaku was one of them, and maybe that maybe we dodged a bullet there, but nevertheless, he he was the player that um, 
was it was reported that that Conte you know wanted as 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 the key target man. Um, but how's he communicating that? How how does all that happen at Chelsea Football Club? Um, in a way that um, seems to be quite fractious and not the way, for example, you know, Manchester City now seem to have got that, you know, off to a fine art. I mean, you know, they, they could have four teams, I think, in the Premier League, the, the number of players they've bought. Um, you know, what, what what is it about City that enables them to, to go out and buy the players that the manager wants uh, as opposed to what goes on at Chelsea, which is, you know, it's kind of like a scattergun approach, isn't it? Um, you know, and as we said earlier, you know, who who who's who signed Bakayoko? Was that was that did Conte want Bakayoko? Um, who who signed Mishi Batshuayi? Kind of been Conte, you know, you know, Conte was given that contract at Chelsea in April. Um, before you know, before he came, Batshuayi was signed in, I think June or July. Um, so you know, whose whose decision was that? Was it you know, if, if it had been Conte's, you'd have thought he'd have played him week in, week out. But that's the trouble, mate, isn't it? We we never know. I mean, okay. I, I I I think in a, in a in a in a tweet, a DM to somebody last week, you know, I I made that point that. Yeah, well, I don't even think it was a DM, but whatever. The, but the bottom line is, is that we as supporters are the mushroom shed. We get fed shit and we're kept in the dark. And I think that's particularly true of this regime. Listen, mate, I just suddenly just remind remi- somebody on on Twitter's just reminded me actually uh, of something you said in the uh, ESPN article and something that I wrote about before. Well, when he went, really, and, and, well, and that's Holland basically how much, we, yeah, how much we may have missed Steve Holland. Yeah, and I think that was a really a really salient point there. You know, there's there are parallels with with losing Ray Wilkins uh, under the Ancelotti era, aren't there? In a sense, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, all, uh, as, a, as as we kind of all agreed on, it's kind of a, a sum of all the parts, and it's you know, I don't know, is that weird word discombobulated? I mean, it's just not, it's just never joined up for long enough at Chelsea um, for. for anything to you know the the the, din- the dynasty that we all crave you know the one that we thought was going to happen when Mourinho came back you know he'd be there to see us through the ground redevelopment I mean it's just it's never going to happen and weirdly you know weirdly I, I think Roman Abramovich is now one of the longest serving owners in the Premier League so you'd kind of think yeah. you know Bruce Buck's been there as as long as Roman has, Marina's been there for a while, you know, and and you know, Marina and and Bucker uh, have become you know almost hate figures, aren't they? With quite a lot of people, um, so why is it that they cannot do what other clubs seem to do, um, given that they've been there for quite a while? Is it because they're not football people? Um, I, I don't know, you know. I mean, Steve Holland leaving, yeah, big blow, but he's gone to the England job, you know. But we we had it before with, um, you know, there was the Steve. Do you remember the Steve Clark wrangle over yeah. him yeah. the contract, and he ended up following uh, Zola to to, to West Ham. Um, 
you know, none of it makes sense. You know, what would make sense now and what everybody would cheer from the rafters is if, um, you know, Roman said, right, you lot keep talking about the, the spine of the team um, that, that won the, you know, the league back in, you know, that great side of, of the, the, the mid-2000s uh, and that formed the, the, the backbone of the, the, the Champions League winning team. Let's get those people back in the club. Frank Lampard, John Terry, Ashley Cole, Petr Cech. Get them all involved in the club. Get them on the pitch, Marco. Well, and go from there. And I know, <laughs> I know, it's like a romantic notion, but why not? You know, um, I, I just I don't understand why none of that seems to happen. You know, no disrespect to Carlo Cudicini, lovely fella, but is is that the best that we can do? Um, you know, Eddie Eddie Newton, lovely man. You know, those, those guys are, are great. But what we need are uh, uh, the true greats. Stature, in the club. stature, mate. That's what you're talking about, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and I, I look. I think, I think the underlying tone of what you were saying uh, <laughs> really is that the, the problem with the board, and and, and I'm going to kind of leap about all over the place because the show's a bit like that tonight. But that's why I love it. But um, the the tone of that really is that the, one of the problems that we have, I think, at the club, is that there's a distinct lack of football experience and nous and knowledge in the boardroom and we were talking about this jonathan um before uh, before we went on air tonight that uh, irrespective of what happens with conte um perhaps what we do need given that the club probably will not change is a proper director of football on the board you know with influence at the club you know in terms of players transfers how we play strategy because the reality is is that you know, given the way that the club works and operates, we're, and also modern football to a certain degree, mate, you know, we're unlikely to get a manager that stays for more than two or three years anyway. So, you know, players don't stay forever. Managers are there for short term. So the long-term strategy and the development of the club has to come from the board in a sense. And at the moment, it comes from a board that know bugger all about football. Well, and Emanalo... Yeah. Well, Emanalo was never a director of football. He, he, he turned up as Avram's mate and then a scout... And he did very well to wheedle himself up to the corridors of power. But he was not a bona fide director of football. And perhaps that's what we need. And we need a big hitter to do that. That's what I would say, Jonathan. Um, is that going to fit in, Going to fit into what they're, they're used to or what they want? It's a very tight... Well, if they don't, setup. then we're just going to have perpetual shambles and chaos. Because I don't see it... You know, there is no upward curve unless they do this. Because that would fit in with their business model. That's what I'm saying. You know, because they don't keep managers for very long for whatever reason. I don't think... I think it's symptomatic of modern football, not necessarily just a Chelsea issue. I mean, you know, I, But well, City have done it. City have done it with the Tixerian or whatever he's called that used yes. to be the DOF oh, yes. at uh, Barcelona. Exactly. You know, the big... Yeah, the big European clubs do this. Why haven't we done it? If we're going to run the club this way, why haven't we done this? I'm sorry, it's not good enough for Marina to be acting in that role. But that, you know, that, I'm sure she's a... that guy, Tixi, or whatever his name is, you know, he he was at Barcelona, but he, he came to... He went to City like six or seven years ago, didn't he? I mean, I know they put him in there to lure Pet there, but... You know, at least that shows some strategy, and it looks like now, 
you know, we're going to end up with a poor man's Guardiola in the summer, you know, in terms of Luis Enrique, you know. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, here's a, just to move that on a minute, mate. Does that matter? I mean, you know, I mean, I, I really do. You know what? I think we're at a stage now where it doesn't matter who we hire as the manager. It really doesn't because you know we're in this cycle of wash, rinse, repeat, aren't we, Clayton? You know, the same thing will happen time and time again, which I think is another reason why I think we should perhaps be looking at hiring a bloody good director of football, so at least we can have some. Uh, you know, some stability, some sustainability going forward in terms of what we're trying to do. Clayton? I, I mean, I've got a theory. That, no, well, I've got a theory that, that they don't want a director of football. They don't want somebody who is to tell them what to do because there's no point. Because if Roman has the final say every time, there's no point, you know, to have somebody... To, do you admit failure because you had didn't have one before? Well, no, because they'll look at the trophies and say, "Well, it didn't really matter. We didn't yeah, need one because I, we did it anyway." Um, but but we are a rudderless ship at the moment, and we are getting. We're, like I said before, we're just falling behind. But just the way the club is is going, that you we are going to jettison another great manager. And so you bring in Luis Enrique, he'll be there for two years, same crap, same shit. Not actually very good, and not actually very good either. I mean, forget Barcelona, look at his record at Roma, it was rubbish. Yeah, no, absolutely, not not good at all. Um, Can I just make one point? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think think the big concern for me is that whereas if you go back to 2003 when Roman came in, um, and kind of turbocharged Chelsea, um, you know, in respect of the money um, and enabled the club to compete at the, at the very highest level very quickly. Um, in, instead of building on that platform and putting stability in there, we, we've found ourselves in a position where we're kind of falling behind, you know, the Manchester clubs. In, in that respect, and there are other clubs snapping at the heels. You know, the the, the top fours now, the top six, um, and and if you know if, if things carry on the way they are uh, at the bridge, <coughs> you know we, we we could dip out of that um, elite sort of clutch of clubs quite easily, um, just through not being able to uh, compete consistently. I think I think that's spot on, Marco. And I think that's that's basically where we are at the moment. I think we're at a real crossroads, and I think it's very worrying. It is very worrying now. Whether we are not, or Romans basically shut the wallet because of the stadium, don't know. Um, but there seems to be a lack of ambition. I, I do. I hundred percent agree with with something you said right at the beginning um, of that statement. Is the fact that. When Jose first arrived, when the money first arrived, there there is no reason, apart from success is cyclical, but we had an opportunity to wipe everybody else off the face of the earth. And I just, you know, part of me, I was thinking about this the other week, I just wondered, had Fergie not been around, maybe we would have achieved that. Because he's the only one that fought back. 
Because if you think about it, for years, it was only us and Manchester United. Arsenal fell by the wayside and there wasn't anybody else. So, you know, part of me thinks maybe if Fergie wasn't around, then we would have dominated and we would have had that dynasty. But we've had two or three opportunities to build that dynasty. And every single time, every single time we've won a league, we haven't built on it. We've ended up, mm. and 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 this has to be that there has to be something deeper. This is Roman's game plan. It, it, it's either a game with him that he thinks, oh, I see. You know, you met you mentioned the the sort of the, the Wilkins thing. You know, Carlo was doing brilliantly, and then all of a sudden, the rug was pulled from under him. Just for no, mm. you know, we were going along serenely. We won the league. We played the most beautiful football. Scored loads and loads of goals. Everything was great, and it was just like, mm, nah, I don't like this. Oh, we got knocked. Uh, we got knocked. We got knocked out of the Champions League by United, and that pissed him off. No, it that's wasn't. What he wanted it, it, to win. It was Inter, wasn't it? It was Jose did it in the yeah. in, 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 and and he yeah. got pissed off. Sorry, yeah, but, yeah. But but there's Man a, United the year before. Yeah, but there, there's a there's just this thing that we have had the opportunity, and whereas before we've always come back and won the league. I think now we are at such a dangerous position. I think we are at the crossroads. And I think unless we do something drastic in the summer in terms of squad rebuilding, including, you know, bringing some of those kids through, I think we're just going to get left behind. Um, but I don't, I don't think, I think like, it's just a question of squad rebuilding. I mean, I, I think, I, I, you know, I, I think there is a solution. And there is a way forward with this. But I, 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 th- this has to come from the top. Yeah, you know, course. if it doesn't come from the top, it's not going to happen. And that's why I say, OK, let's as supporters accept that we're not going to have managers, you know, lasting as a dynasty because the game has changed and it's not how our club works. Well, accept that. Have a director of football. Have somebody who knows about football at board level. And then we have a proper proper uh, transfer. I mean, look, the strategy for this club should have been for the last five or six years, um, you know, keep the core of the team, the experienced players until, you know, you have to replace them and think about replacing them early, add two or three world-class players every year and get in two or three of the youth product every year. And then you build in sustainability. But nobody does that because they fire the manager, give him a lot of power. He throws the baby out of the bathwater and we start again, reset. Something has got to change. Jonathan, I'm going to give you the final word on all of this. And then we're going to do a quick roundtable. Conte's going to stay or go. All right. I th- I think they're very reluctant to buy anybody at the moment because of the volatile nature of the manager and his personality. And th- I think this is the reason why they don't appear to be backing him. And this and and I, I feel that with this is exactly the same pattern that took place with Jose um, in his uh, Anas Horribles. And... Uh, uh, I think they're just preparing for a new manager. And um, I think they're happy with the way things are going, the board. And I think the major thing that he he really frets about is integrating the kids. And I think he's dealing with another manager who uh, is saying, well, actually, no, you can't give the kids any time. We just give them a little bit and they can come on, which I think is is fair enough. But I don't think it's the way that Abramovich wants to run it. And I think because of the volatile nature um, that Conti is, is is revealing about of himself. We didn't see it in the first season because it, it, he was doing so well because his command of English was was so little. I think now he's beginning to express himself better. We're seeing more of what he's really like, 
And I don't think they like it. I don't think the board like it. And I think he's going to be out on his ear. And I think they're not backing him because they want to get rid of him. Uh, and just to recap, Jonathan, you think you think he'll be out if if we screw up against Barcelona, right? So he could be yes, gone by March the fifteenth. I, I do, but I, I don't think it means they haven't got a policy. I think I think, but it, as you say, it's all down to Roman, um, and so I really don't think they're interested in having a a director of football because their recent appointment has been a marketing manager. They're really into the whole marketing business, and I think that they're they're keen on um, uh, and the ground, the new ground is is a symbol for that. And they're so keen on getting new revenue in. I really think they will start competing on a financial level with United and City, but not at the moment. Um, and but mm. definitely not when they're unsure of what the manager is doing, because uh, it'll just it's money wasted. And so I honestly well, I mean, think they're going to wait for him to uh, implode, and then he'll be, and then they'll get, but, but, and then I, the season is then wiped I, out. So that's it. I, I have to say though, you know, Chelsea Football Club are the people that hire the bloody manager. Yeah. So if we keep firing these managers, or we suddenly find out that they're a, a bit despotic and they they're, they're, they're volatile, then you know, look, if, I've run companies. And if I keep hiring duff employees who go potty after six months, people are going to be looking at me saying, maybe you're not very good at recruiting people. Well, I, I, maybe I don't the board think... should be having a look at themselves in the mirror and saying that to themselves. Well, I don't think it's the board at all. It's Roman, isn't it? It's the, he's, well, the, then just, Roman should be just asking him that question. Well, you know, he's, the he's... board are Roman. I mean, I think this is a yeah. very good point, JK, because JK, this, gets, this gets miscommunicated a lot on social media. You know, it's very easy to blame the fla- the faceless board because nobody dare say a bad word about Roman because of what he's done for us. But the board is Roman. Roman is the board. Yeah, you know, entirely. Let's be clear on that. And that's the um, reason so why David... I just say the reason why David Luiz yeah. hasn't been sold because Conte wanted him sold because of their spat is because he's Roman's mate. And also yeah, because they yeah. don't want to sell him in this transfer window because if Conte's out in the next four games then the next manager will, will, will have him in the side because Lewis is a completely fantastic player and he's, mm. he, he's clearly he's, he's not been given the opportunity to reveal how fantastic he is. Brilliant And on the other side of the coin, you know, you get managers at the club with all of the responsibility but none of the authority. It, it's, a, it's a management yes, recipe yes. for disaster. Yeah, yeah. But you think you'll be gone, Jonathan, uh, yes. possibly... Sooner rather than later. Marco, sorry, mate, we haven't heard from you for ages. Um, Do you think you'll stick it out? I mean, my feeling is is that, you know, I think to put the position into context, we're fourth in the league, we're still in the Champions League, we're still in the FA Cup, but I I agree with what you're saying, which is that underneath all of that, the ship is a bit wobbly. And if, if, if Conte is causing a lot of that wobbliness, then I can see why he might go. But you, you think he might, don't you? Quite possibly, yeah. Uh, um, <clears throat> who knows what's going to happen in the in the next? I mean, he he's going to go, isn't he? So, yeah, you know, that whole that whole he's going to go. You know, once once that all starts and it, and it's quite apparent, I just don't see how um, players are going to raise their game. Um, uh, you know. You know all that stuff. Gary Cahill saying he he's ashamed of you know the way they've played and it's the worst they've ever played. You know, I'm sorry. You know, Cahill shouldn't be playing in that team. You know, I don't like yeah, it's getting picked. You know, R- Rudiger, I'd play Rudiger, Ethan Ampadu's 
playing out of his skin for the kids tonight. Um, you know, he, he could play in that team. You know, there, there are better players um, that, that, that could be doing a good job for Chelsea if, if they're motivated and, and the team's being groomed and fashioned in the right way. And I, I just think, you know, I love Conte to bits, but I think, you know, that that's all gone. And, you know, as I said earlier, you know, we're playing bottom of the table, West Brom, and almost bottom of the table, Hull in the Cup. You know, we should win those games, although having said that, you know, look what happened against Bournemouth and Watford. But it'll be a false dawn, and then it's Barcelona and the two Manchester clubs. So... You know, it's horrible. It is horrible, but that's life at Chelsea, isn't it? And, uh, and that's I, how we roll. Yeah, yeah. that's how yeah. we roll. Cl- Clayton, what what say you, my old friend? He's gone because he doesn't want to be there. Uh, and I think yeah, the the thing that's very upsetting is the fact that he doesn't want to be there. He's got a right cob on, and we as a club are suffering. Because he's not managing the side as he was last year. Um, some of his decisions are, are baffling, absolutely baffling. And, and he says he wants to win. Does he? I'm not sure he does anymore. Um, I just, you know, we've seen him go from being this absolute maniacal figure on the touchline to just standing there. He, he didn't do anything last night, did he? I mean, from, you know, I wasn't there, but I watched on telly and and he didn't seem to be particularly um, enigmatic. He didn't seem to be sort of showing any passion like he normally does. It was just like, well, this is what it is and I can't really do much about it. And and as I said, some of his decisions were baffling and... Uh, He's gone, as I said, you know, before we, we went on air. Yeah. It's it's a long yeah. suicide note, and he's just basically going through the motions. He's, you know, it's like I said to you, if you don't want to be there, go. What are you waiting for? Mm. It's not like you're going to be hard up. You know, if you went on the board now and said, well, Look, that maybe that maybe that's maybe that's the point, mate. You know, it's much it's much better to get fired by Chelsea because you get the payoff. If you leave, you don't. Well, you know, I'm not sure. I and mean, you're, you're, I'm sh- you know, eight million a year, mate. He's going to have a good payoff. Of course he is, but the point that's is, that's what they did when they re-signed the. That's what they did when he re-signed the contract. When you know they didn't. Ex- they yeah, did they, something he just got more money. Ex- yeah, but you know, exactly. the point and that's is, what it's about. PSG would take him tomorrow. Real Madrid would take him yeah. tomorrow, and they'll PSG will yeah. pay him more than we are. You know, Real Madrid will yeah. pay him about the same. So it can't be about money. And if you're that effing unhappy, just go. I mean, I don't want him to go. Mm. He's a great manager. And we know, you mm. know, just in the way that Kevin De Bruyne and Salah are coming back to, you know, to haunt us, he will come back to haunt us because he will go elsewhere yeah. and he will win things. But he will also fall out with people as well. And and therein lies the rub, mate. And I mean, I, I think, I, mate, I, I actually all of you, because this is this is why I, I, I love you to pieces and have you on the show. You've spoken so much sense tonight. And I, and I would agree pretty much with everything that you said. But I think I think that... I, I would hate to see Conte go because I think he's one of the best managers in the world. And if you've got one of the best managers in the world, you're going to win stuff and you're going to have a great team. But I think Clayton's point particularly is absolutely spot on. If that, you know, if that relationship is broken, then where do you go from, from there? You know, if, if Conte's 
you know, goading the board and, and having a fight with them, there is only going to be one winner and it's not going to be Antonio Conte at Chelsea. You know, it's going to be Roman Abramovich. So, I, and I have a, I have a horrible suspicion that, that that relationship is broken, just judging by the way he's behaved. But, you know, we won't find many better managers than Antonio Conte. And in fact, just as a final point, and without getting into a, a, a huge discussion about it, you know, the, some, some wag, I'll say wag, because I think journalist is too, too a big a term for them, really. But they wrote an article saying that apparently the nine managers that we are in, in for or rumoured to be associated with are Luis Enrique. He's not better than Conte. Massimilio Allegri possibly is, but he's also a loon. Diego Simeone, a detestable character, but a very good manager. But he'll, he'll be no different from Conte. He'll fall out with people, which is Clayton's point. Uh, Gus Hiddink, you have, you're having a Steffi. He, he, he should have been pensioned off before he came back the last time. <laughs> Maurizio, Maurizio Sarri, who's the Napoli manager, another good manager. But again, he, he'll fall out because the, the, the common denominator here is all of these guys will want their own way. And they're not going to get their own way at Chelsea because there's only one person who will, and that's Roman Abramovich. And the others mentioned are Brendan Rodgers, which would just be beyond laughable. Apart from it wouldn't be funny. Zinedine Zidane, I mean, you know, keep Hazard happy, I suppose. Marco Silva, don't see that. And, and the, the funniest one of all is Frank Lampard. And if you, if you write for CFC UK, you're duty-bound to say that you never want Frank Lampard as manager because you love him too much and you don't want him to be ruined by the club, which is what would happen. So that's the kind of the world we live in. Um, I, I would hate to see Conte go, but I'm kind of with you, Clayton. I think it's inevitable, as they said. Uh, and sadly, something else that is inevitable is that we have to finish the show. And we've got one more part where JK is going to read out some absolutely fantastic emails. And we'll be right back after this break. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Football Fancast. Right, welcome back. I'm Sam for Chidge and, and a mad show tonight. I mean, it's gone all over the shop, but I think, you know, we've done more of about an hour and a half, it seems like, on, on Conte. But given where we are, I think that's more than appropriate. And I've heard some great stuff from the guys. And what you might not know, um, those of you who are listening to this as a podcast, uh, Clayton's had to go because he's got some stuff to do. So we ha- we all said goodbye to him in the break and thanked him for his wonderful contribution tonight. And he says thank you to everybody for listening. Now, uh, we've got some absolutely banging emails tonight. Um, some of them uh, kind of touch on a lot of what we've been saying. So we may even have time, me, Marco and JK, to kind of have a little chat around them. We shall see. But uh, other than that, take it away, JK. This is from Christopher Sherman, email one. Uh, hi, Chidge and the gang. Always a delight to listen into the pod. And yet again, you informed as well as entertained in equal measure. I hadn't heard the Juru transfer gossip and of all possible current options stated, I find this the most exciting. Still not signed at this moment in time, but keeping an eye on proceedings. However, I digress from my main thrust. I often wonder, especially as the Chelsea fancast crew berate the plastics, if I am bracketed 
as a plastic and whether this is a necessarily bad label, as I feel I've had legitimate reasons for not going to a match. I would assume that to the crew, I would be a perfect candidate for a plastic, as I've only ever attended Stamford Bridge for one of those off-season branding charity things, the details of which are lost in the mists of time. This is in spite of the fact that for periods of my life, I've lived just off Redcliffe Gardens, Wandsworth Bridge Road, and in Wallam Green Court, directly over the Formosa, a place I'm aware you all know well. In fact, my uncle has lived opposite the ground for as long as I can remember. I can, I can only put his allegiance to the arse down to a car having fallen on his head whilst he was an army mechanic. Well, at least that's the family story, although copious amount of the gange might be a factor too. You might even spot him on match days, he being the sprightly, string-vested, track-suited, elderly, gold-toothed raster who both manages to sport <laughs> impressively long natural dreadlocks and prominent bald patches. I've seen him. Being Hammersmith-born yeah, Hammersmith and coming from a strongly uh, matriarchal Trinidadian family, a mixture of upbringing, culture and finances have been major stumbling blocks to my initial chances of ever going to a football match. But I still had Peter Bonetti, Peter Osgood, Alan Hudson, Chris Garland, ooh, and my favourite John Hollins as players I would aspire to being when having my kickabout in the playgrounds, especially after watching the big match. I, la I later spent a proportion of my school days in Wolverhampton, and of course peer pressure at that age meant I would inevitably follow the Wolves my old school football pitches in Compton Park, eventually being bought out by Wolves. I think children have enough identity issues as they grow up. So being first-generation native-born and with few positive male role models, were it not for regular visits to Fulham and Earls Court to visit families still living there, my Chelsea allegiances would have dwindled. Another contributory factor to the non-attendance of any football matches was the violence at football grounds during the late 70s, early 80s. At that time, players such as the sadly departed inspirational legend Cyril Regis were icons to my community. The combination of racial abuse at the time scuppered any chance of a young fan entertaining any notion of attending a match, especially being of colour and there being a strong national front element in Wolverhampton at the time. Even when I got back to Fulham Broadway for another stint as a local, the abuse of players such as Paul Canneville, John Barnes and Viv Anderson did nothing but sour my relations with football. The perceived personal threat meant I would only ever be a TV football fan. It wasn't until, until the onset of the Premier League and Glenn Hoddle becoming manager that I finally fully realigned with the club. A player of natural grace, I'd always admired Glenn. His signing of Rude Hullet drew me in further. And as I've learned from your wise words, Chelsea were shit previously. <laughs> so it was not a case of following the team who were winning titles, but I felt a great excitement at the new climate, which was also colour inclusive. In fact, foreign players were highly sought by all clubs. When I think of the exotic players Chelsea have fielded, it makes me wish I'd been a child all over again, with a doting fanatical family member to take me to the great theatre of football that is Stamford Bridge. During various periods I've been back at Wallam Green, Chelsea have paraded numerous times up the Fulham Road and I've soaked up the crowd's euphoria in comfort, being able to stroll down when I saw the bus approaching from the vantage of a high-rise ledge, a position where I'd strained over the years to get a view of the big screen on match days. 
even when my financial position slightly improved, the notion of going to a match never really arose, as even now I wouldn't know how to go about buying a ticket. I guess I don't have the mindset to be an attendee. I don't drink, which seems to be an essential for the fancaster. Excuse me, I don't either. <laughs> um, I still also harbour a fear of personal abuse, valid or not. After all, there will always be numpties who like to be Billy Big Bollocks on match days. On the occasions I have funds to do, uh, I, uh, I, I have funds to do so. I've tried to contribute to the club's coffers by purchasing official merchandise directly from the Chelsea FC Mega Store, or more recently online, as I don't want to line that tithead Mike Ashley's pockets. It's my hope. <laughs> I, my hope, if I ever do go to Stamford Bridge, it's with my boy. Although this would involve convincing his mother, another strong first-generation native-born of Jamaican heritage, for whom the thought of her child being in a den of iniquity is almost unthinkable. So I ask for your esteemed opinion. Am I a plastic? If so labelled, it does not belay my love for the club I've cried for and felt to be my own personal heritage and identity. Whether plastic or not, my mantra is always, come on the blues, Christopher Sherman, Wallam Green Blue. Well, personally, I would think you're not a plastic at all. I just think you happen to be... No, uh, I agree. You, you've been rather competent financially organising yourself, watching from watching from a high vantage point, looking at screens. <clears throat> I think that's been rather clever. And uh, and your knowledge of the club makes you definitely unplastic. I think plastics are people who know bugger all and uh, um, wander in once in the season if, if uh, and they and they do live up the road. But uh, no, I'm I'm um, I'm uh, I'm. I'm impressed by your immense knowledge and also understand the difficulties that you've had in attending um, uh, due to the prospect of having your head beaten in. So uh, no, I, I think you're far from being a plastic. And may say, may how excellently that was written. That was really terrific. It was, wasn't terrific it? Terrific piece of writing. Yeah, yeah, superb. I've got to echo that, JK. I, I don't think Chris is, is a plastic at all. And I, and I, I would hate to think that um, people think that we berate plastics on this show. I mean, I think I mean you know genuine people who are okay. What what is a plastic fan? A plastic fan is somebody who's not really a supporter of Chelsea. You know, they're just, they just they turn up occasionally. They 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 their support for the club is pretend. You know, they're not really. Also, they have fans. no knowledge. Really Chelsea just, fans. They've got no knowledge of the club, have they? They just. Jumping on the bandwagon, really. There's no. Uh, yeah, Emily Rogowski would spring to mind, um, but. Um, you know, look, you are not a plastic. I mean, it, the way I look at it, and the way I've always looked at it, you know, because I, I share, I, I have more in common with people like Chris than I do with people like you and Marco, Jonathan. You know, I, I didn't grow up in a Chelsea family. You know, my dad wasn't a Chelsea supporter. I never got taken to the football as a kid, although thank God dad took me to Stamford Bridge uh, when I was about 11 uh, in 1976. And then, and but I still, you know, I never came back until I moved up to London in the 80s. And and as luck would have it, I found that Chelsea was shit, and I wandered along because I could get in easily, and then I buggered off out again, and I never came back. I mean, it, it never occurred to me ever until I moved back, you know, in the late nineties to get a season ticket, for example. I just didn't grow up in that culture, so you know, we're not all the same. And I think it doesn't matter how you find Chelsea, as long as you get it and you understand it, and you and you have a passion for it, and you 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 do it in your own way, that's good enough for me. Would that be, would that be fair enough, Marco? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just going to say, if this fellow wants to pop down and have a chin yes. at the CFC UK yes. stall 
long before kickoff time on any any given match day doesn't have to go to the game. I know plenty of people that follow Chelsea who don't go to games who come down and have a bit of banter. So um, yeah, you know, each to their own. You know, there's people watch Chelsea and support Chelsea in many different ways. So. Uh, yeah. what's in your heart isn't it Marco exactly. that's what really counts I think yeah you know but but Chris do do I mean if you particularly if you're 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 a neighbor do pop over and say hello to Marco at the CFC UK store there's loads of us there and there's a friendly bunch there as somebody once said they don't look very friendly because they're all wearing Stone Island and most <laughs> don't have any hair but but actually they're not they're not as intimidating as they look there's some lovely people there there's always good chat and I mean, and don't be put off by coming to the pub, you know. I mean, I, I know you don't drink, nor does Jonathan. Uh, quite a few people I know who go regularly quite often have to drive, so they paddle quite light. But I'll buy, I'll buy you a Coke without the rum. So you come along and come and see us in the cock. It'd be lovely to see you. You are always welcome. And, and as I said, I, I love that email. It was a cracker, wasn't it, JK? Oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So email to... Oh, sorry. I've just seen now that's really made me laugh. Football is a simple game. 22 men chase a ball for 90 minutes and, at the end, Batshuayi always scores. <laughs> brilliant. That is brilliant. But just quickly, Pete Sampson's just said on, on Mixler, I don't know why, but Pete's getting all the shout-outs tonight, but uh, he says the stall is the best bit of the day, usually. You're not wrong, Pete. <laughs> Um, this next one's from the prolific Alan Gavaran. Um, Chidge and the gang, like cool and the gang, but less cool. I imagine, oh, the, I imagine the digital post bag will be overflowing after the shit burger that was Wednesday's game against Bournemouth. <laughs> I'll leave the tactical discussion to Joe Tweeds and others way better qualified. To be honest, I haven't even been able to bring myself to watch the lowlights on Match of the Day yet. This has been a slow-motion car crash dating not from the first half against Burnley on the 12th of August, but from the 1st of July 2017, when the summer transfer window opened. To be honest, I was reasonably pleased with the purchases of Rudiger and Bakayako, and very happy when we signed Murata, all good young players that would be able to play a role in the development of the title-winning squad for the coming season. As has been discussed on the show, Big Willy Caballero was probably an upgrade on Begovic. But whilst all that business was done within the first three weeks of the window, Zappa Costa and Drinkwater came on the very last day, the 31st of August. Checking on the Premier League website, whilst we had seven players coming in, the six above and Killian Hazard, 34 players left Chelsea, sold or loaned. Obviously, quite a few were youngsters loaned out as part of our much-discussed youth model. But how many of that 34 would have added depth and quality to our squad, which was going to have to play far more games in 2017-18. Whilst we've been generally well covered at the back, possibly needing one more wing back, we've had problems in midfield and definitely up front. Even where we had sufficient players, not all of them were yet acclimatised to the Premier League. Yes, I'm looking at you, Bakayako and Murata. If we kept Matic, I'm sure he would have played rather than selling him to a rival. For me, selling Chalabar for peanuts and loaning Loftus-Cheek was the wrong way round. I'm sure Chalabar will go on to great things, and then you factor in the message it gave to his even more talented brother Trevor, who may well do a Solanke and see out his contract with us and then leave. Meanwhile, Ruben, whilst clearly talented enough to stand out in a Crystal Palace squad, 
hardly, dif- hardly difficult, but too frequently injured, has had more chances to impress, but still not yet proved his worth. Up front is the biggest scandal. How was it possible to go into this season with one untested forward and one who did not have the confidence of the manager? I would certainly argue that Conti is right about Mitchie. If Tammy Abraham had stayed, he would surely have played some games and got many minutes, not to mention goals. When you look at our rivals, they've got much more firepower than us. Liverpool had Firmino, Salah, Mane, Solanke, Ings and Woodburn, plus Sturridge up to last month. Not all are the greatest, but they've enough to change things up as and when required. In my opinion, this car crash has been down to the failure to back Conte with a sufficiently deep and high-quality squad after his magnificent triumph in his first season. Everyone knew that this season would be harder and longer, and also that our rivals were strengthening, and yet we went forward with a shallower squad than Conte required and that our rivals had, especially the two Manchester clubs. If we hadn't had Jose, Conte might be the best manager we've ever had. As it is, it's pretty difficult to choose between them in ability other than Jose's greater trophy collection over a longer period in two stays. It seems to me that the club don't view managerial talent in the same way as player talent. If we sell Eden Hazard, we will have no end of difficulty in replacing him with a player of similar ability. No end of difficulty and at an absolutely massive cost. If Eden is arguably one of the best five players in the world, who wouldn't argue that Conte is one of the best five managers in the world? What makes the club think that if they got rid of Conte, that they could replace him with an equally talented manager? And at what cost? Furthermore, when we got Conte, he had no experience of English football. Well, he showed that that wasn't an issue pretty conclusively, didn't he? Just like Bakayoko, Murata, even Drogba, and no end of foreign players coming to England and taking a year or more to acclimatise. Who knows whether Luis Enrique, Diego Simeone, Zinedine Zidane or Thomas Tuchel would be as successful as quickly as Conte in their first season in the UK. Even though things have picked up just a bit, remind me how well Pep Guardiola did in his first year. I think it was Tony Glover who coined the brilliant phrase, Arsenalification of Chelsea. I understand that that to mean making a conscious business decision to accept less than the best, i.e. being happy with fourth place rather than trying to win the league, and thereby to get away with spending less money. It seems that Chelsea are doing the same by having one of the best managers, but failing to back him and gambling on losing him and getting an unknown alternative, even if this means we fail to improve or even deteriorate. What's even worse is letting things slide like they have. If they had their doubts, it would have been better to have sacked Conte last summer rather than have another year of drift by undermining him. In my opinion, failing to back Conte is the worst decision the club has made in many years. I haven't felt this angry since we signed Graham Roberts 30 years ago. (laughs) Alan Gavarin, Aussie signed my broken leg at Rootless Cosmo. The trouble is is that Graham Roberts was a huge success, Alan, and uh, inspirational player and got us up. So uh, um, I was... Scored a lot of penalties, didn't he? He did. He was a fantastic penalty taker. Or penalties, as Chris Waddle would say. Yes, that's right. We seemed to get many that season. He was always wandering up. and He did that thing, didn't he? If he'd, he'd walk back and then he'd take the goalkeeper by surprise by uh, turning around very quickly yeah. and taking it. That's and, right. Yeah, That's right. Which, uh, He's um, a funny bloke. I've got to say, as always, Alan has some wonderfully accurate and tranchant yeah, views terrific. and, and yeah. very, very closely allied to what we were saying. And 
you know I, I, one thing i picked up on there jk you know is the anger actually and 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 i think that's what a lot of what i've seen on 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 social media yes since last night has been that i i, I think a lot of supporters are angry you know, some are angry at Conte because they think he screwed up. Some are angry at the club. And I think, you know, like we've been saying earlier on, we're angry with the state of where we are. But I think Alan's point about, you know, that they've undermined him and, and in a sense echoes what we were saying as well, is that, you know, none of us really want him to go because we think he's fantastic. But we think that, 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 you know, it kind of it happened a while ago. You know, the severance actually happened a while ago. And there's a sense that there's not much we can do about it. Would that be fair enough? Yeah, completely. Yeah. 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 Marco, you got anything to add? No, I think it's all been said, hasn't it? Um... Yeah, it's a brilliant email, actually. He's spot on. His old uh, Alan Gavoran. This is my favourite email of the re- of, of the week of the week, Jonathan. Uh, three guesses as to why. Uh, because you uh, you're a lucky man. No, no, the next one. Yeah, the Sandy Guthrie. Oh, one. I like that. Yes, I, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Yeah. Anyway, this is this next email is my favourite of the week. No guesses as to why. And this is from my uh, my school friend Sandy Guthrie. Um, hi guys, oh. I just hope that Emerson Palmieri's middle name is Lake. Best wishes, Sandy. <laughs> there you go. It's it's funny and it's short. <laughs> That's possibly the no. It's the second shortest email because the one the shortest email was the one the other oh. day, wasn't it? The one we had last. We week. have no ideas. Yeah, that was brilliant. I'll yeah, never yeah. forget that. We have no yeah. ideas. Love yeah. Harrison. Fantastic yeah. email. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, the, the next is very long, but it's it's a cracking. Bloody hell, it is long. It's a cracker. Do you, know, do you know what? Yeah. I'm just wondering if we've got enough time to read this one out. You want to do it next week? Nah, fuck it. We've got five minutes. Do it. All right. Do let's it. do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Come on. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, email for Jenkins Bob. Great name. Jenkins Bob. That's two Bs. B A double B. Jenkins. Uncle Chidge, J.K.R. Call you Uncle Chidge, Chidge. Lovely. Yeah, Uncle Chidge, J.K.R. A bit like Uncle Ho. Mark, yes, and Clayton. Hello to you all. This email is a bit lengthy, but that's because a lot is on the heart. Let me brighten up this email by giving you a quick backstory of how I began supporting the Blues. Yes, it was indeed in 2003, the Roman era, but I had absolutely no idea about the politics of the game back then or how players were acquired. I thought it was a draft trade system since I mainly watched the NBA growing up. When I joined high school in 03, my new friends persuaded me to start playing football. Since I wasn't as technically gifted as they were, I was shoved in at centre-back or right-back because of my height. Despite my lack of flair, quickness and vision, I surprisingly had good positional awareness and was able to read the game very well. To improve my game, I decided to then look up this EPL my friends were talking about, say, saw a few matches on the weekend and Chelsea caught my attention. It wasn't ticker-tacker, it wasn't trickery, but it was the defensive solidity, especially of John Terry, whose game reminded me of how I played. I was always a step ahead of the play, didn't make unnecessary lunges into tackles and would always be there to intercept the pass. Since then, I followed avidly and later learned about the off the field side of the game. I didn't join because of the money or success. So whenever a Liverpool, Arsenal and especially Man U fan comes at me with the over massage cliche, I often reply, as plastic goes, I must be the plexiglass. (laughs) 
I'm from the Caribbean, so watching games was very were watching watching games were very convenient. Saturdays and Sundays ranging from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. and midweek fixtures were usually around 4 p.m., which is usually after school and work. However, these days I find myself in Beijing. Wow, studying where it's less convenient to put it mildly. Despite that, I haven't missed a Chelsea game all season and don't intend to. Midweek fixtures have me setting alarms at 3:45 on school days, making the sacrifice of studying early so I can get an early rest. Weekend games aren't so bad, they can be about midnight or so. Delightfully, in my university, there are other fans of the Premier League, and for the biggest of games, we wear our inexpensive Chinese knockoff jerseys and gather in my dormitory with piss-poor Chinese beer to watch the games on the 50-inch screen I'm blessed to have in my room. Oh, blimey. Some games are played on the basic cable with Chinese commentary, which, to be fair, does help us learn the language. But the, I prefer to stream the games just to hear Martin Tyler say, and it's live. I'm not one of those fans. Live. 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 I just got you back there, mate. I'm not, you did. I'm not one of those fans who complain, who abuse our players on social media or quick to turn against managers and the board. I feel I am as very much a fan as those are able to go to the bridge every week. I sacrifice my time, and let me tell you, it isn't easy getting up at four in the morning and watching the team lose 3-0 to the Cherries and 4-1 at Watford. This is why I'm writing this email, to express some dissatisfaction with the board and Conte, the manager. Firstly, at the end of August, I didn't feel the investments were enough to com- compete with the spending of City and United, but that's understandable. You can't make a stone bleed. We just don't have the spending power. End of. But I feel that we left ourselves desperately short in certain areas, such as left wing back and striker, which, along with injuries, has hampered our season. We're not able to dish out 50 to 60 mil on every player like City does. But the signings like a backup striker, a backup midfielder, a backup left wing back should have come in the summer instead of January. Giroud, Barkley, Emerson specifically may not have been available at that time. But we could have looked at other backup options within the same price range. So in the slow acting of our board, I blame them in that regard. What I don't blame them for is not being able to spend 70 million on every position. I hate going on social media and reading fans just throwing about, look at what City and United are doing. We need to buy three or four world-class players. In this market, three world-class players probably costs upwards of 300 million. If you look at the history of our transfers since Roman took over, it wasn't buying world-class players which got us success. It was players who were on the brink of their prime, who we nurtured into being world-class players. Look at the likes of Drogba, Czech, Lampard, Essien, Carvalho, uh, Andy Cole, Robin. These players weren't world-class, yet when we bought them, uh, when we bought them, but they were very good high-ceiling players who were about to hit their prime, and we, with successful managing, carried them into their prime, and they became world-class at our club. In the past, when the club has signed world-class players, it hasn't quite worked out as well, cases being Deco, Torres, Shevchenko. Whether it's a hunger and desire issue is arguable. Our best and most successful transfer model is signing players like Morata, Bakayoko, Emerson, Rudiger, Christensen, recall, not signed, who are about to hit their prime and potentially be top class, forming a core for a decade, like Terry, Lampard, Drogba, Czech, and surrounding them with hard-working, solid squad players who in the past have been the likes of Ivanovic, Mikel, 
Ramirez, Anelka, and today can be in the form of Barclay, Zappacosta, Batshuayi and Alonso. That has been the model that brought us success, yet fans see City and United rashly spending and panic buying, and we're supposed to do likewise when we're trying to rebuild a stadium? Can we just agree we don't have that spending power? We were once like City was back in 03, but entitled fans can't seem to let it go. One person who can't seem to give it a rest is Antonio Conte, who keeps again and again washing our dirty linen out in the public. I love this man and defended him to bits for the early part of the season, but he's a completely different person than he was last season. He was passionate, professional, serious, yet classy. Now he's picking fights, criticising the board, blaming fixture congestion, criticising the players, and he clearly looks like a man that wants out. Now, that's just the off-the-field part. What about his tactics, which are highly questionable? Conte always had a stubbornness about him, even in his title-winning season. But this is a few degrees above stubbornness. Maybe JK can help me with the fancy synonym. Hmm, a few degrees above stubbornness. Um, it's, um, it's like standing on the mule's head. Yeah, perhaps not. Anyway, the first half of the season... <laughs> The first half of the season where he kept persisting with a 3-5-2, even against relegation fodder teams at home who would just defend narrow and deep, causing us to just pass and pass and probe aimlessly, was infuriating. Then with 10 minutes left, he goes 3-4-3 to up the tempo, but it's too late. We've since reverted to 3-4-3, but the personnel choice seems to be his issue. Playing a false nine while Batshuayi sits on the bench is like having a rudderless ship. I felt embarrassed watching him have an excellent debut for Dortmund. I know JK doesn't rate him. I don't. His decision-making is head-shaking at times, and his touch is as good as a well-timed Ricky Ponting cover drive. Don't agree with that. No, I don't agree with that. I thought Ricky Ponting was rather played quite good. He was much more of a... He pulled the ball more anyway. But why not play to his strengths like Dortmund did? He's a poacher, so stop trying to force him to be Drogba. He's a poacher who's left his gun in the, in the forest. Play him through on goal and give him crosses to latch onto. Instead, Conte benches him all the time, and when he does play him, asks him to be a hold-up target man. It's beyond me how Cahill starts twice the amount of games as Rudiger does. I'm not in the slate-off Gary club, but to have him as one of the first names on your team sheet is just being sentimental from Conte. Rudiger brings more dimensions to the team, is sharper, more agile, quicker, can go forward and pass better. This weekend, instead of playing Callum Hudson-Odoi, CHO as we call him on social media, he plays an out-of-form and lacking-in-confidence Pedro and a half-fit Willian. Man United immediately starts Sanchez. Abamayang and Mkhitaryan gets thrown in to the starting eleven immediately. Michi for Dortmund and Laporte for City all slot straight into their new team starting eleven. But with us, we all know it takes 18 months for a new player to learn our system and be fully fit and ready for first team action. So, of course, we once again play false nine while someone you can launch the ball up to as an alternative to beat the opposition's press is sat on the bench. Bakayoko, who I believe will one day be a very good PL midfielder, doesn't deserve to start anymore, yet Conte persists. I understood during the first half of the season not wanting to drop him and allowing allowing him to play himself in. However, right now it's crunch time of the season and he needs to be taken off the firing line because he's costing us goals. 
Conte has him playing a box-to-box role like Gerard Vieira or Lampard, but he isn't skillful or technical enough to do so. Can he be coached into being one? That I don't know. But all he should be is a backup to Kante, as someone who breaks up play. Don't get forward, don't carry the ball, just break up play. Just be Kante's backup if he gets injured or suspended. He would be less exposed doing this simple role, which is the Matic role from our title-winning season. We cannot escape the press of even bottom-half teams, and we have Fabregas, who's composed and can one-touch control and pass the ball sitting on the bench. The chess conundrum, I know. He can't defend, right? Well, guess who can defend and can play through the press and pass the ball? Ampadu. Although just 17 years, he could be tried out ahead of Bakayako for a PL game. Just give the kid one game ahead of Bakayako because he surely can't perform any worse. What's with all the hamstring injuries, by the way? Is it Conte's rigorous training and lack of rotation? I'm not an expert in this area, so I'll leave it there. I'm very hesitant when it comes to calling for managers' heads, but if Conte continues the constant whinging, the poor line-up choices and the poor results continue, then what choice is left? I love the man and wish that for his and our own good he swallows his stubbornness and pride and makes the necessary changes. Till then, from Beijing, I'll still keep watching... The flying blue flag, JB in Beijing. Blimey! Crikey, what an email! What an email! <laughs> do, you need, <laughs> do, do you need a lie, do you need a lie down, JK? I need a lie down and uh, a blood transfusion after that. I think. Uh, I think you do. Uh, Marco, I thought that was, I mean, amazing. How erudite uh, from Jenkins Bob. Jenkins Bob. Jenkins Bob for manager, I say. But you know what? It's, it's really interesting, isn't it? He seems to be echoing so much of the sentiment uh, that the supporters have about Conte. We're all very conflicted, I think, and, and therein lies the, the nub of it. Yeah. It's, um, no, no, nobody... I think every, everybody kind of feels the same way. Um, I don't know. It's just—it's really weird. It's—it's it's not like the Mourinho it is, it? thing, is it? It's, no. I mean, the, the, the egg no. game will be the same, but it's—it's uh, it's a lot less. It's just—it's just—it's just the inevitability about it. I think that's what's probably clouding the the, the you know clouding the issue in a sense. But uh, I do sense a real you know amount of conflict that that we've all got i mean we all want him to to stay but we all feel it's broken and it's a real conundrum isn't it anyway i i've given jo- jonathan enough uh, rest so he can have a few vocal exercises drink some honey and tea or whatever it is he does we've got we've got one one last email it would be very rude not to do it because i think kunle kind of nails it in his own own particular way so jonathan take it away oh is it me good all right uh, email five kunle andrin dear fancast thinking of the watford game Part of the challenge is Conte wasn't directing from the sideline, and maybe the team is used to that, which is a problem. Players need to be able to raise their game instead of being puppets on a string. We might be expecting too much from average players. We have to support the team when it's down. It's not all Conte's fault. He's made bad selections, but his bench is not a ton better. He needs to drop Fabregas, Bakayoko and Cahill. See Drinkwater getting sick and injured since he's been around. Same for Morata, Bakayoko doesn't know himself. Bakayoko doesn't know himself. Fabregas can't hold midfield. Barkley has a hamstring injury, four question marks. The summer window doesn't look so brilliant now, does it? The club seems to be looking to buy injured players on the cheap to save a buck. Both Rudiger and Emerson had ACL injuries a few months before we bought them. 
Also think about Drinkwater and Barclay. We don't have quality in the team, and EPL has improved. Small teams are also more confident. He said it, the team lacks confidence. I see them watching Watford dribble into box 18. Some say they've 18 times, that should be. Some say they've begged him to reduce training intensity, but Conte doesn't agree. Not sure how much this makes a difference, but they had five days to rest for this game, and then the next game is a week away at West Bromwich. Fasten your seatbelts, lads. We're experiencing turbulence. Thank the stars we have a calm chairman and a stable pilot at the helm. Oh, wait. Kunle Andrew, <laughs> the Nigerian-American in NYC. Well done, mate. We Fantastic. Go. Another, another yeah. one around the world. Yeah, I love again. these ones. We've got Beijing and now we're in New York. and Oh, God, brilliant. I know, brilliant. I it's know, brilliant. All these males from all around the world. Well done, everybody. But they're all, they're, they're, they've, they've all, I mean, you know, having sat here and talked to you, you three all night and knowing, knowing how we've got a real brains trust on the show tonight, they, they've all come up with the same points. Well, uh, I exactly. think in future we did, but don't bother to have the show. I'll just read out the emails. We'll just read the emails out. Yeah, yeah. God, wouldn't that be easy? Yeah. It'd be very easy, but I suspect not quite as much fun. No, no. No. There'd be two, no, two listeners in Mitchell. There would be. Whereas the, we've, we've pretty much got everybody still in there. A few have sloped off. Can't say I blame them. We've, we've gone way over budget tonight, for which we apologise, I, I have to say. But, you know, I think it was, we, it was one of those shows where we really had to kind of just get our hands dirty and do it, you know. And uh, it's a big issue, this whole issue with Conte. So, you know, there we go. Well, I apologise to my, my wonderful panel for keeping them past their bedtime. Uh, apart from Clayton, who had to go anyway. But there you go. Now, as I said, uh, we do love receiving our emails. Uh, we'll always try and read them out on the show. So send them to chelseafancast at gmail.com before uh, Monday, usually. Uh, we, I, I, I put a few more in because, of course, we're, we're on a Tuesday today. But uh, please try and get them in before Monday. That means Sunday, you know. Right, that's all we've got time this week. Uh, we'll return on Tuesday, February the 13th at 7 o'clock. Another bloody Tuesday show. It doesn't have to wind me up, but there you go. Uh, I'll be joined by the wonderful JK, as Ooh. ever, and also the fantastic Dan Silver and Tony Glover. The Reverend Glover will be back. Uh, and we'll re- be reporting, hopefully, on a complete upturn in fortunes for Chelsea and a defeat of the Baggies from West Bromwich. Thank God there's only one game this week, is all I can say. Right, um... Before before that show, of course, uh, as, as you should all know by now, uh, I've got a, a, I'll be recording the Kerry Dixon show on Thursday with the one and only Kerry Dixon. Uh, so make sure you download and listen to that one uh, from Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, and all good podcast outlets. Uh, it'd be very interesting to see what Kerry has to say this week. He was he was on a pretty long run last week. He wasn't holding back. That's what I love about Kerry. He doesn't he doesn't muck about. He's great, isn't he, uh, Marco? Yeah, yeah, yeah speaks his mind he does indeed uh, so i shall be uh, doing a, a shorter show about half an hour with the great man on thursday so check that out uh, of course you can follow us all on twitter um chelsea fancast at chelsea fancast me at stanford chid jonathan at jonathan kid marco at gate 17 marco clayton is at goalie 59 and of course check out our wonderful website edited by the fantastic uh Hion carbis and that is chelseafancast.com uh, many thanks to Keon and the Chelsea Fancast bloggers for their regular content going up during the week. And uh, everything we write gets posted on Twitter and our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. So check them out, like them, and retweet them. It's all good stuff. Now, um, we've got to go. I think we have all deserve a, a very long lie down after that. Uh, you've, you've both been brilliant tonight. Marco, it's always an absolute 
honour and a privilege to have you on the show. Love having you on the show, mate. So thank you so much. Cheers for having me. Good fun. Serious conversations yeah. tonight. Serious. Yeah, we got a bit serious today, didn't we? Yeah. 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 Well, needs must, mate. You know, needs must. Happens to Chelsea uh, regularly, sadly. But there you go. But great to see you on here as always, mate. I'll see you at the stall for the next... Well, I won't see you Monday because I can't make it on Monday because, of course, I've got to work. So I'll see you for Hull City, Hull City. and bring you a hot chocolate. <laughs> Fantastic. If it's this bloody cold, yeah, I definitely will. Anyway, so I look forward to seeing you then. Uh, Jonathan, as always, you're you're an absolute trooper, sir. Oh, well done you. for your very long email reading. Thank you. No, it was, uh, it was worth it because it's, uh, it's great stuff from around the world. I love it. Yeah, great stuff. All right, we really should go because we've outstayed our welcome big time. But uh, thank you, everybody on Mixler particularly, for listening live. You are the hardcore, the Chelsea fancast firm if ever there was one. So uh, you lot listening on the podcast, thank you too. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chels. Up the chels! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.